Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Don. And not just one, but two other guests tonight. Oh. Yeah. We're here. We're, we're, we're encroaching on all the podcasts, Amato, I guess. the voices are back. <laughs> <laughs> where are they coming from? Well, I see those shadows on the wall over there. <laughs> I'm Yasha, and I'm, I'm here Vana. with Vana. <laughs> Very pleased to have Yasha and Vana here from, you know, the internet. It's the internet's Yasha and Vana. <laughs> we are empty movement. Yeah. Together they An are Utena empty fan movement, site. which was, was and is the big Utna site on the internet, and was and no longer is the big Utna forum on the internet. I think you closed You're that out a little Discord. while ago, right? Yeah, um... It's now a static backup, but but now we are a Discord, so yep. trash still thrives. Trash still thrives. <laughs> that's that's a good tagline for the Discord. It, it is, really. What is it named now? Hmm? What's the Discord name right now? Um, Daddy's Little Discord. Daddy's Little Discord. <laughs> Can we make that more Utenai? Daddy um, Long Discord? Uh-oh. No, this is no. This is this is due to everybody calling musical Akio <laughs> daddy. daddy. <laughs> I didn't start that. I want that noted for the record. <laughs> I did not start it. They're I'll trying to, it, but I didn't start it. They're trying to agitate for a, an Akio harem role, I and I just really why. think this is a terrible idea. <laughs> this is jury cult enough. Anyway. What Akio are we talking about here? <laughs> the same Akio. <laughs> Musical yes. Akio, yes. Akio, musical Akio. He's still 19. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you brought that up, Tori. <laughs> Don't. Don't. Oh, I really oh, hoped I was going to get a reaction for that, so I'm really <laughs> pleased. I can argue this with facts. <laughs> but why do that when we can argue it with just disdain <laughs> At, that is also i think an acceptable <laughs> argument in this case. poor akio poor akio oh, just learned to drive and crashed all his cars Ooh, ooh. <laughs> also he can't read <laughs> he can't read either. um now this immediate akio focus i think has shown a little bit of your personal interests here um look she asked why don't you mm-hmm. two see if you can talk in less than let's say half an hour about <laughs> where you are coming from in the Utna fandom. Okay, I started first. The top man. Uh, <laughs> I started watching Utna in 1998 to 99 is when I first saw it. So I saw the terrible VHS tapes that had like a picture of Toga and Utna and clearly sold it as like a hetero uwu shoujo ship TV show. Uh, watched a bit of that, saw someone smack the shit out of a helpless-looking woman and was like, this is the anime for me. Uh, <laughs> went on to uh, watch some terrible, terrible fan subs, which I think is also what happened to our, our noble writer here. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll get into that later. Uh, built a giant website, got really overwhelmed because back then there was no social media or anything, and I was like, the only social media for the fandom. Desk flipped. Uh, Yasha showed up like, no, don't desk flip. And I did it. not. Well, I right. said, 
I said it's good a good for thing. You. It's a good thing you recognize that this is too much for you. I hope that putting this it down will give you some with. freedom. Hmm? That was a ploy to begin with. That anyway, she took over ploy. the site with me. We built a forum. Uh, we we've kind of just run the shit since we've met people. We've had a blast. Uh, we went to Tokyo with a yeah. bunch of people. I, last I thought year. we were done, and then the 20th anniversary happened, and then there were perfumes, and I'm like, "Wow, this is amazing! What a send off to 20 years!" And now I've gone to Japan twice to see anime musicals, <laughs> and they're good. And they're I don't good. know if you guys have seen them, but they're actually really fucking good. I'm a pretty bad Utena fan these days, and I haven't seen either of them, which is crazy because I watched, you know, the Sailor Moon musicals. I cosplayed Sailor Moon musical stuff back in the day. Just, and it's yeah. right, like right up my alley. You've also I wasn't up- sold on the Utena musical idea, but if they're good, I it's, will watch them. They, they honest, seem good. Honestly, I will stream them whenever you want, including after the show, because I think Yasha just wants to go to bed. I'll totally play them. Although if I play the first one, she'll stick around for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a plan then. Yeah, it's a date. <laughs> it's they're actually they're really fucking good. They actually took a lot of the stuff that we read into the music, like into the series in the first place. A lot of the kind of analytical components to it and turned the dial up on them yeah it's really neat and somehow made ma- made the wigs work yeah they made the hair the hair works that is the most important it, component of any it, it honestly it, it really is let's be honest but no i, I, I think, very good, i think so. in this case the acting is the most important component well the singing sure ain't the singing really isn't <laughs> I mean, a lot of the singing eh. is excellent, just not the guys. Not the guys. Uh, You can fix that in post. (laughs) (laughs) And they did. And they really did. But but no, I I highly, highly, like, urge all of you to watch the musicals. They're so good. That's how. (laughs) Look, it's been deep. Anyway, so that's that's kind of been my experience in the Utena fandom. I've I've more or less run it. Um. (laughs) Lots of traveling. With lots of traveling and... Uh, Meeting up and hanging out with cool people like Amato. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. been a blast. So, and I married uh, uh, this one over here. I ended up bisexual because of Utena. It made me bi. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess... Oh. Yeah. Oh, that turned out that way. Yeah. <laughs> Utena made me gay, too. <laughs> we should start a club. Oh, there is a club. It's, it's the called Utena the Fandom. fandom. <laughs> There's... There is nobody in this fandom that isn't in some way in the quilt bag, I think. I think I know, like, <laughs> two cis straight people in this whole fandom. What are they doing there? Get them out. Well, I, I was saying I'm one of them. <laughs> oh, sorry, Amato. I totally forgot. And uh, Satorize is the other. Straights are allowed. Straights, Straights are, allowed. are allowed. Straights are Every, Everybody is allowed. You know who's not allowed? Turfs. Turfs are not allowed. Yes. No. That's the only... That's the quickest ban... Yeah, on our Discord is turfs. That yeah, because that, that guy that if was actually crazy, saying Akio was Elron Hubbard. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That was that was wild. Oh. Anyway, oh, I was being okay. sarcastic earlier, saying like trying to you know do it quickly, yeah. but that was actually extremely concise for your Utena fandom history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Yasha, do you have anything to add? Um, not really, because Vanna's pretty much covered it. Pretty much ever since we met, we've done everything together. So, mm-hmm. like a duelist and a rose bride. Yes, except neither of us are a rose either, bride. Either really. <laughs> uh, 
That's just as well. Like a duelist <laughs> and their rose. Uh, which we one trying of us to knock each the... other off? <laughs> no, you're trying to protect your rose. That's, that's the... Never. Wait, this which, might not be the best comparison. I don't know. One of us is still getting beheaded in this. I don't know. It's, I don't know. Panda, Panda went with the "We're the Shadow Playgirls" thing, which is probably better than walking around being like, "LOL, Akio and Toga, LOL." Even though we do kind of run the fandom, so I suppose yeah. that tracks. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> As for me and you, Tana, no, not not that. That's another podcast. As for mm-hmm. me and you, I was just checking my like email, and I've been in touch with you for fourteen years now. <laughs> oh yeah, which yep. is pretty crazy, and that yeah. is back at like tail end of high school for me. Right. Yep. Oh, hey, I'm doing a playthrough of the game every once in a while. Oh, really? Friday nights now. Yeah. Yeah. How's um, it going? It's. Uh, we accidentally got Toga the first time around. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to get Toga. You yeah. gotta make a concerted effort not to sleep with Toga. Well, I mean, I mean sleeping with Toga's simplicity Andy. itself, but getting his endings a little bit harder. It's true. <laughs> we we I was letting the chat decide and. Uh, <laughs> We Always. ended up in Toga's bed, which, you know, that, that seems pretty, that seems, now we're going after the orange coward. Uh, who you do not sleep with because. Because she's, she's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> she's a gamer. Leave her alone. She's spending all her time getting good at Street Fighter, so cut it's her some slack. True. No. It's a, valid, <laughs> it's a valid occupation. No. Look. Well, good. Glad you, glad <clears throat> people are still enjoying it. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. everyone loves it. Oh, yeah. For the record, if anyone is listening to this podcast and this is still in the podcast and not cut, <laughs> um, <laughs> I did half, a little bit more than half, well, half the translation and the then final editing for the translation of the Utena Sega Saturn game, which is a dating sim. It's, Question mark. <laughs> it's not good, but there's things about it that are surprisingly good. I don't know. It's, it's- an interesting game. It's really good. First of all, the translation is amazing. Thank you. It's it's an amazing translation. And on top of that, it is so completely over the top and extra and exactly like on the nose with every single character in the most mocking way. Yes. Like. Toga's Southern Italian soy sauce. Yeah, like the the soy (laughs) sauce thing. Where Toga got his at William Sonoma, and Sayanji got his at the top of the highest peak in in Japan. Yeah. And Miki brings like every single kind. In case you <laughs> wanted that other like, kind. Yeah, and Drake's like, "Do you want this soy sauce or, or not?" Random crap soy sauce. <laughs> like it's just very on the nose with all of the characters, despite being completely absurd. Yeah. Soy sauce so is not a metaphor so- here, by the way. Just in case it's not clear, listeners. Literally soy sauce that the characters are literally bringing for your dinner. (laughs) It's really Um, good. Actually, Ayu pops into the streams from time to time. Oh, great. Yeah. 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 It's nice to have her. Yeah, we kind of run into pretty much everyone here and there. We we still meet last... uh, Oh, yeah. Last year, we met up with uh, Satirize and Ashnod. Mm -hmm. Uh, They flew up to Calgary where... uh, Yasha Somebody had invited us to guest at a convention. Guest. Yeah, we were comped actual just like announced guests at a convention because because the, Utena. <laughs> well, the people that ran it were fans of ours. Yes, and of Utena, so that was pretty wild. So yeah, we, we know you could have been to the whole crew. Yeah, big for certain measures of tiny. Big. <clears throat> I'm I'm perfectly content. 
Mm-hmm. I've asked you here tonight for less glamorous topics. We are reading an old Utna fanfic, which is mm-hmm. what we do on this podcast, not just Utna fanfics, other old <laughs> fanfics as well. Actually, very rarely Utna fanfics. This is our second Utna episode, actually. Second and a half because Tori and I started just on a whim playing Satirize's text adventure game. Yeah. Which we need to get back to at some point. We totally will. That was fun. Y'all should finish that. That, that, That's a fun episode. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get back to it sometime. But usually I try to do stuff before about 2005. And I was, Mm -hmm. I gave you a few options for a fanfic for this, and we chose the Scion G Toga one. And all I knew about it was that it's gender swap Scion G, and yet it is well regarded. Yeah. That was one thing I was worried that they were gonna immediately have Sionji like just be fine in a girl's body and and just, not have any kind of immediately start jilling off all day and <laughs> yeah they didn't but, do that which which is I really mean, good I would I'd actually like we've got a few trans members on our Discord I'd actually like to see how well if any of them are willing. Mm-hmm how well they caught the idea of dysphoria in this because for clearly yeah for yeah. two for 2002 they did a good job we caught it but, pretty well i caught it pretty well i don't know dom you read it too right i, like, I read some of it i had yeah. a busy week starting a new job and yeah i watched it no once back in <laughs> back in high school <laughs> yeah. filthy casual but yeah I, <laughs> we'll we'll get there i think we can address that when we get there but yeah, there, yeah. i actually thought the the body stuff was done pretty well yeah because i actually read a lot of gender swap things you may not know this <laughs> but it's mm. very common for trans people to read a lot of gender swap stories I, yes I, yeah. uh, I can just try to figure yeah. stuff out right yeah. but like so i've read a lot but yes it's so Go the bit I, I did read at the beginning was vaguely uncomfortable because it was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Um, I was pretty impressed by the way that was handled, but we are getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we should probably say the title. <laughs> this fanfic is Ever After by Sylvia. It seems to have come out around 2002. I saw it recommended a couple places, including a fanfic recommendation thread on the In the Rose Garden forums, um, but mm-hmm. other places as well. And uh, the author, I, I wasn't able to contact them, but on their archive of our own, you know, introduction thing profile, they say like, oh, feel free to remix or <laughs> do whatever you want with this fanfic and just give credit. So consider it done, Sylvia. We're doing it. Mm. You're on a <laughs> podcast now. We're going to remix this? <laughs> remix the fanfic. <laughs> Can we get a sweet bass drop right before me and Vana come in? <laughs> sounds like editing, so no. <laughs> Hard editing pass. There's a reason we're not doing anything creative on this podcast, which is that it takes effort. Don't, don't, don't start it. <laughs> Once you learn, you actually have to keep doing it. It's... Says the person who just chopped together two hours of two different versions <laughs> of the musical. <laughs> Never mind. Vana learned idiot. That's for after. Vana learned video editing for the second uh, new musical to come out. So you can cut that. <laughs> That's commitment. <laughs> yep. Uh, you have no idea. It's really more like monomania. The real commitment is going to come when they don't produce a third musical to finish it off, and they uh, have to film their own. <laughs> I promise you they're going to. Mm. If they didn't, I might have to set something like that up, but that'll come from me. 
And look probably about the same as what they would do. Anyway. <laughs> um, I actually, like, I kept, like, when I was reading this, I was trying to place, like, 2002. Uh, and I built the website in 2000, at least. But I hadn't finished the gallery until, like, a year or so later. Which I think is why this this uh, author struggles to describe Mikage and Akio accurately. Because mm-hmm. they may never have actually seen good pictures of either of those characters, but they would have read the scripts because the scripts had always been up. Yeah. So, like, do you remember when, like, a lot of us had read the scripts for the rest of the series but didn't necessarily see them because it was so hard to get the fan subs? I went in... I entered, the you know, Utena at the time when... You could find the scripts for the Black Rose arc, and you could get fan subs, you know, through VHS, you know, distributors mm-hmm. of the last third. But you couldn't get the Black Rose arc fan yes. subs because they had announced that they were going to bring that to the U.S. And so the fans right. and distributors would wow. not make copies of it. And so right. I was definitely in that place for a while where I had read the Black Rose arc scripts, and I had seen mm-hmm. a music video with clips from it. And that's all I had. Mm. Yep. Because mm-hmm. that, that's how I had panned out, too. I saw the end of this show, for the most part, before I saw the Black Rose Saga, so that was back-assword. I remember you saying that <laughs> you did not notice the hand in episode 33 because the uh, the rips you were looking at were so bad. No, no, no. I didn't see that Akio's eyes were open when he kisses her in episode 30. You said something that about the too, hand, though. too. I was like, I don't that's... know if that's supposed to be Akio or Anthe or what, because the <laughs> animation was so, like, blurry and messy. I, yeah, so it was I figure that's, though, so it that's was probably why there's a little bit of... Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of... Weirdness about the way they describe the characters. It also seems like they were going for something kind of, like, semi-realistic in oh, places. <laughs> but in some that, places, yeah. Yeah, in, some places, in other places it's errands, completely gone, but I think they refer to Utena as blonde at one point. Yeah, I think yeah. they all, they did they did keep Sainji's green hair, though, which is... Yes. Really commitment. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't come to Utna until I was in college, which was like 2009. So I didn't have that experience of having to search for this information. I just watched it on YouTube. <laughs> so this mm-hmm. enlightens me to the fact that in this fanfic, and it's a little later on, and so we'll get to that, Akio does show up and they describe his hair as platinum blonde, which just like yeah. it blew my mind. I was like, what are you talking about? Like it's clearly yeah. purple. <laughs> like it's very purple. So I'm glad I have an explanation for that now. It also yeah. explains the monkey mouse thing because the monkey mouse thing, even though Choo Choo is clearly a fucking monkey, okay? He's clearly oh, a God. fucking monkey. <laughs> there was this big thing in the fandom. Is, is he a monkey? Is it a mouse? Is it a monkey? Is it a mouse? I'm like, where the fuck are you getting mouse from? Where it's a the purple monkey. From- he, he, sa- he says Choo is one thing. Yeah. And that's yeah. the mouse noise. Like, and look, he's small. The Japanese fandom was the same way. Remember that, like... Kochikame chapter that I translated randomly, and one of the like little ongoing things is the main character gets dressed up as Choo Choo by like the overbearing detective person, and he keeps saying like I'm a mouse, right? And he's like, no, you're a monkey. Well, that's and the it's joke. like, come yeah, over yeah, here, yeah. Choo Tai. He's like, so I must be a mouse. No, you're a monkey. You're a monkey. Yeah, the joke <laughs> is that he's a monkey who acts and kind of looks like a mouse, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. But I mean, the, he shows up. He's got like mm-hmm. like bananas. In, we're in place of the twirling oh, roses Jesus. on the screen. You know when they introduce people in Utena and they've got that framework. He's got bananas yeah, at the corners of that framework. Yeah, so and so has like a white rose. Someone will have a purple rose. 
Yeah. I, can't I, just, probably I don't know. I just never got over that. Records or something. <laughs> now, I've been complicit, but I'd like to point out we are zero words through the fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So this let's let's go over the us. first word. The first word is anthy. <laughs> that sets the tone, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so jump in after me, but this this fanfic is starting really, really out of episode 10. And so the whole, like, weirdo castle falling, Sionji getting expelled deal is yeah. where this is picking up from. Actually, I thought this was kind of, like, well-written. Yeah, it's that the first chapter is pretty much a review of that entire event mm-hmm. from, like, Sionji's point of view, which is, you know, the only one anyone cares about, in my opinion. <laughs> I think the author does a good job in Sanji's point of view there of being like, he was totally out of his mind there for various reasons. Like, yes. you know, partially because he's yeah. a little barely restrained bundle of emotion to begin with, but for other reasons as well. Yeah, the author actually does a really good job of making Sanji sympathetic. But like, let's go through Ish, the events yeah. of this, like, first, and then we can talk about that. Okay. Well, you mean the events of this first chapter? This first chapter, yeah. Well, it's like they were saying, kind of describing the whole, like, yeah. castle falling, and then he attacks Utna with a sword and hits Toga, and he's like, oh, shit, that's no good. Mm-hmm. But it's a setup. So, like, the whole thing in the setup is that uh, in that episode, Sainji, uh gets a letter from Ends of the World saying, I guess if you yeet off with the Rose Bride tonight, go up to the castle, it'll come down, and you'll have stars and joy and, and everything you want and something eternal. Uh, and it's, it's clearly Toga that writes this letter. It's a punk out, shows up, stuff happens and the castle falls on his ass. Yep. And then he decides he's going to murder the shit out of a 14 year old girl that just like stepped in on saving Anthe when that had been his plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toga intervenes and literally, uh, gets himself cut in half so that he can deliver the, uh, wasn't your prince, someone like me. Line and he's a feminist ally. He's a feminist ally. (laughs) Toga's a feminist ally. Appropriately, I think at that moment immediately gets mad at Toga because he knows, (laughs) like, oh, I just got, I just got played, (laughs) and he had been, and then he gets expelled, and Toga has his little brag out moment, you know, on the phone with like four bitches, which is not shown in this fic, which is not in this fic because I just know about that part. Yeah, everything up till this point is shown in this fic, and then. Um, in place of that, we get, uh, Sainji going to talk to Anthe. Yeah, Sainji wants to go find Anthe and talk to her because I think he thinks that that's going to provide closure or something. I don't know, you know, I just looked at the second paragraph in there, or not second, technically, technically third paragraph after that little break there, and his dick is already getting hard, so... (laughs) I don't know energy. how. Okay, okay. Some of you were were born assigned male at birth. Yes. Um, so this is not what it's like. Mm. Constantly walking around with your dick hard. This is not. I, I have never uh, seen this happen. Teenagers. In real life. Yeah, he was uh, a teenager. Okay. Okay. The, so the yeah. thing is, I mean, that could happen semi-randomly, but yeah. not like. Because you see the person you're into. Like, that's not but really how it works. I, yeah, that was my big thing is, like, he, like, looks at Anthe and then all of a sudden he's, he's got like a rock massive... Hard. Well, there's this, there's this through line in the fanfic that, like, there might be some amount of kind of influence on him. It's not clear whether, like, he's just trying to justify the fact that he's totally messed up about Anthe or whether that is actually a valid read on what's happening to him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's actually a good point, though, because there's more and more instances of Anthe's kind of hold on his emotions um, mm-hmm, as we go mm-hmm. through. And I think we can probably approach that a little later as we go through his changes. Yeah. Well, maybe, but, but this is the first time it happens. Like, he gets in yeah. front of her and he's like, oh, I, like, I, I'm so obsessed with her, like, I can't. I can't get her out of my head. But I feel her physical presence. This is something that was popular, like, back then. Like, in yeah. fanfics of that era, it was very popular to write. Anthe, especially, is, like, this this fucking force of nature mm-hmm. with That's this true, overwhelming emotional draw and et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of, like, fell out of favor in newer ones because I think people like to humanize her more. But, like, the way he describes being around Anthe, it's not so much that he's around a girl he's really, really into, but he's around, like... A fucking black hole sucking him in. <laughs> like, he's just really... There's, like, a metaphysical or yeah, mystical quality to it. I see this as a justification for Sionji's behavior that ultimately could make him into a sympathetic character. Um, but I think we'll, we'll get more towards that. Well, I mean, we can also jump around a little bit, because yeah. while we're talking about it, the interesting thing about that isn't that they do it with Sanji and Anthe. It's that he does come into physical proximity of Akio once, and he has the exact same reaction. Yeah, it does yeah. Well, well, I mean, I know, it's Akio. Yeah. Like, but... <laughs> I mean, I think that's the point, right? Like... They're both forces of nature kind of thing. And, and I think that is how the author uses the, like, mystical power that Anthe and Akio possess to kind of make it so that Seonji's behavior towards Anthe, you know, is somehow not his fault. Or not entirely is, his yeah. fault. Not entirely his fault. Which is actually kind of my complaint about this fanfic. But we'll we'll get to that, I think. It, it comes up later. We've seen this in fanfics before, where when you choose a character as a main character who does something reprehensible all the time... The authors kind of have to deal mm. with it somehow to make them be a protagonist that you can read about. Yeah, without just hating. Right. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, the author does a good job of justifying, you know, making justifying, you know, making it so that Sayonji is. Yeah, like the logic lines are all there. It's not an unreasonable reading either. Like, yeah, I mean, you can definitely draw that from the text, so it doesn't feel like that uh, out of nowhere. It's just, like, reading it now, it feels like a style decision from that era, almost. Yeah. But yeah. it does it does kind of make sense at the same time. I do think I would have liked to see Sionji just be his crazy-ass self for no reason aside from being crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's why I always read Sionji. They make Sionji, him much more sympathetic. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. The, the other thing that happens at the end of this scene is that Anthe reaches out and touches the back of his hand, and he notes, like, that's that's really weird. She has never, ever touched me without prompting. And, you know, she says, cheer yeah. up, Sayonji-senpai, just to twist the knife, before Utena, you know, jumps in and is like, what are you doing with Anthe? Stop being Sayonji near Anthe. Great read motto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, which, I mean, fair. Yeah. Sayonji alternates between calling Utena the Tenjo girl and the Tenjo chit. Oh, well... Which, I don't know oh, what yeah, shit yeah. means, Oh, I mean, I do, okay. but... Is it English? It's like, like, it is English. It's it's archaic. I know that. It means, like, a young girl. Or, or you can use chit for... It's extremely condescending. Mm-hmm. It's ex- This is something you would say about a child. And so, we may as well say that here. Overall, I think the writing's really good. But... 
the author has Sahanji used that word specifically way too much. Yeah. Using something yeah. archaic and misogynist is in character, but you can't say it as many times as Sahanji does in this story. He actually, like, basically refers to Utna as if that's her name is the chit. <laughs> no, well, she's not the only one in this story. No, he, yeah, he, he rolls through chit a few times, including, I think, male characters. Wakaba. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not. A I, I get why though, because like, like you said, like the archaic, insulting language fits him. I know that's kind of how he speaks in the Japanese, and like we've discussed how to try and portray that, like with Nozomi um, and such. But Chit doesn't feel like a really good. It's not. It's. He's not British. It's it makes been, him sound British to me. It's been used too much in too short a space. Like if it yeah. had been. Sp- Sprinkled throughout it instead of fine, glomped yeah. in there, yeah. then it would have been it's fine. Bukaki all over this. But well. no, it's that specific word did get used a lot, and I kind of eye rolled whenever I saw it in the later. I get, bits. I get the intent. I don't know that it worked, but but yeah. definitely uh, it's got that whole energy of him trying to minimize the value of others because otherwise he's worth less. Yep. Sad science thoughts. Um, Look, at least we're not into the depressing toga. There, there yet. was actually. Uh, I can't remember if it's this chapter. I'm like kind of looking for it or not. Um, yeah, it is. Kind of near the end. Uh, Sanji definitely is about to haul off and hit Anthe. <laughs> yeah, and does stop himself, which um, I guess we'll call personal growth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Are you sure? <laughs> but but at that point in the fic, I was getting to the point where I'm like, okay, if he doesn't try to hit somebody, this is not, like, come on. This is not this really Sanji if he doesn't his slap land, a defenseless woman. It's, he's not a great person on this. <laughs> and they did actually address it, and I thought they actually did pretty well balancing uh, how does wanting to hit someone from the inside of the person who wants to do the hitting's head look like, and also keeping him sort of sympathetic but that also gets tied into that there's like this, you know, mystical quality to Anthe's draw and that she mystically makes him want to hit her too, I guess. Which makes me wonder why he didn't I mean, try to hit Akio, but... I kind of have the confidence in her that she would be able to make anybody want, th- want oh, yeah. them to hit her without any kind of mystical powers. Yeah. Anthe is a bitch. I love her. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a strong female. At the end of that section, there is the line... At least he knew he only imagined the hint of a malicious smile that had seemed to be playing on Anthe's lips, because Anthe did not smile like that. Of and course so not! We've got a stage <laughs> appearance here of Anthe's malice. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I'd already written Anthe's malice when this came out. I think the author yeah, probably yeah. read Anthe's malice. The, that essay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the That's essay that changed meme. the fandom. That's still a meme. <laughs> A praise for the author that they get the character motivations. Of just fucking with people she's yeah. not like with magic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. T- totally accurate. Um, Man, I wish like I had that. magic. <laughs> <laughs> Would you turn you someone into a cow? An evil bitch. A cow? No. Maybe. <laughs> uh, a cow's hard to take care of. Probably something smaller, like a squirrel. Hmm. Would be good. Yeah. Something yeah. Small. Squirrels are cute. Or like yeah. a or like a you, monkey mouse. You can't eat squirrels, though. <laughs> you could. A cow could be dinner, but you can't eat a squirrel. I mean, what I about mean, you a monkey eat mouse? A squirrel, but I... Dinner. It depends on how much you fatten him up first. Well, <laughs> a, a person could also know, be dinner, saying... so that's not <laughs> unique to cows. <laughs> well, okay. that would be kind of rude, though, don't you think? <laughs> you turn right. a human into a cow, does it become not a person anymore? 
Why don't you ask Nanami? <laughs> I would. No. If she were here. You seem actually interested in this concept. <laughs> That's fascinating. <laughs> Who are people? Anyway, moving on. Fanfic. Let's now, do that. Sionji. <laughs> Sionji's expelled. He goes to a hotel. He goes to a hotel with like his pocket change. Mm-hmm. And like he has like a fever or something overnight. Yeah. And that's the transformation sequence. Yeah. Turns into a car right then. Mm-hmm. He wakes yeah. up and he is in the body of a car. Yeah. Um, no, it's very like, distressing. Yeah. The fact that this would totally track with Utina is like, I'm just like, like yeah, that sounds about, yeah. oh wait, no, it's. He just he just wakes up in a. This is the worst tension ever. <laughs> yeah, this is a very cursed. Tension. Is there a lot of a Utna Turbo Team crossover fix? No, but there should be. No. There should also be oh, an Utna racing game in addition to a dating sim. I was listening to our last episode. Yes. We went on about that for a while. Oh, we did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had the power ups would be roses. You drive over them. You get like a sword or something. It makes you dash forward. <laughs> Mario Kart mod when. Yes. <laughs> but, well, it'd be Mario Double Dash style, where you choose one person to ride in the vehicle and one person to be, be the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd oh, be no. so good. And, you hold the Z button to switch. <laughs> yes, and then you'd see like a transformation sequence in between. You know, like I love that. Love a good transformation sequence, such okay. as this one. Sionji does not turn into a car. What happens to Sionji? Sionji's body changes, and and actually the author does a really good description of how the body changes. Like, Sayonji is able to recognize himself in the mirror, but he has slimmer shoulders and smaller arms. He has small breasts and wider hips and, you know, like, a smaller nose, baby. It's it's a good transformation sequence for, like, the stereotypical, like, biological sex stuff we're talking about when we talk about Utna, Mm -hmm. because Utna doesn't have a lot of trans narrative to it though I, I guess you could argue there's some implied stuff but it has a lot of narrative around assigned sex and so Sayonji's assigned sex changing affects a lot for him and he's very very sick because of it and he's also kind of freaking out because of it he's not in a good mental place um, but I do kind of like how they describe the change because it's like he doesn't change that much in height his shoe size only changes a little. Like, mm-hmm. he's basically, like, if he had been born with a different chromosomal set, this is what he'd look like. Mm-hmm. Is the idea, yeah. Yeah, I think the only, like, big change is that uh, they describe him as having lavender eyes instead of, like, the really dark purple ones. But that, which, yeah, you know, I think they still describe, like, like dark green hair, though. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I did actually find it, like... Like, I felt like it was well-written, but I don't have, like, a frame of reference experience-wise for, uh, like, I don't read a lot of uh, gender swap fiction or anything like that, so. But it seemed pretty good to me. So, Sionji's distressed, but he also kind of, I mean, obviously, he's very upset about it. He's like, this is not my body, but at yes. least, like, I can move around and stuff, which is better than I felt when I had that fever, like, a little bit ago. And yeah. obviously, the first thing he goes to is, like, uh, better pick up my sword and yeah. do some moves. And he's like, I could fight like this if necessary. Yeah, and, and he, That's like, adapts. very, very <laughs> Yeah. He adapts certain changes. I, I just want to, like, take a moment to praise the author for, like, how they, like, describe this change. Because, like, Sayonji's just like, this is not my body. And that's what makes his, like, image distorted to himself in the mirror. The author, author excuse me, 
unlike a lot of other gender swap stuff, never wavers from using he, him pronouns for Sayonji, because that's how Sayonji mm-hmm. identifies. No, he never has a you moment know? of doubt. He's, no. he's a guy. He's just got this other body yeah. at the moment. And that's why it makes him very uncomfortable is this is not the body that he is comfortable with. And I think the author did a really good job just like keeping that consistent. The author also did a really good job making sure that we saw crotch hair, which means we're going to get sex in this. Yeah, that was a so, big sign to me. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that was the moment where I was like, yes, this is going to be X-rated. Um, okay. I don't know, the moment, the moment, the moment I heard this was, like, gender swap sign, Joe, I was like, oh, he's gonna bone he's, Toga. He's gonna go sleep with Toga. <laughs> or that's lack dis- of bone Toga. That's, that's a decision that is coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, that does right. happen. <laughs> but it, it, it it's, does. it's not, like, what you would expect from, like, any traditional, like, I don't know, fetish fan fiction, I guess. Like, this is very mm-hmm. complicated. <laughs> it is for complicated. Yeah. And for everybody. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, feelings there mm-hmm. going on. <laughs> yeah, actually, the decision to do gender swap in this feels more like a way to make Sayonji awaken himself to becoming more sympathetic to women than it does, you know, any sort of other thing. Well, also the role in the story is that it allows him to go back to Otori without, Mm -hmm. and interact with people without people knowing who he is, kind of with a blank slate. And that's the Mm -hmm. next thing that happens, that gets delivered a box, which is like, "Uh, here's your school stuff, and Mm -hmm. by some harassing asshole delivery guy. because that's the first experience he has with a man Mm-hmm. Being perceived, yeah, he's sexually mm-hmm. harassed because he's perceived as a girl, which is kind of nice. It is kind of nice, kind like of on, um, on the nose, but also, yeah, that sounds. I mean, I can definitely see this being um, kind of like the author's reasoning for mm-hmm. making Sionji into a person who can deal with the shit that Toga's going through at the end. Mm. Is that? Sayonji in the beginning has very little empathy. He's also got like zero chance of ever fixing his relationship with Toga, but then changing him into a woman and kind of making him see things from the perspective of somebody who is maybe more powerless than Sayonji feels kind of tricky. Yeah. Cause Sayonji has zero self-esteem. So, um, but like it kind of flows naturally into, okay, well he's had all of these new experiences and he's been kind of humbled now. Mm -hmm. So now he can be the person who can unspecified way get back together with Toga. I think there's definitely two, like clearly we wanted to do Toga and we, we wanted some Tosai here and this author, I think rightly realizes that, that they're, relationship is such a goddamn disaster there was no under god they were gonna do anything in the in their own skin so to speak so you you had to remove Sionji from from, from familiar circumstances enough <laughs> that they could meet on a playing field they'd agree to have sex on instead of it just being like two pe- two guys smashing into a brick wall that's not getting them <laughs> anywhere so it, it was an interesting like choice in that sense to make that uh, happen that way. It's also um, like uh, I guess we'll get into this more later, but the the way that Toga perceives the fact that he doesn't recognize him at all, I found kind of the biggest stretch 
to be honest. Because well, oh boy, is Sanji Sanji is not recognizing him at all, though. No, he, does, he recognizes he gets, like, something about him. He gets an itch, but but oh, I did also want to say, of course, at the the city around Atori Academy, even the freaking delivery guy is a sexually harassing creep. Yeah, of course. Because Sainji's, what, 15, 16? Oh, no, no, still got to get your hand This guy on. knows full well he is a, like, a transfer student, Otori yeah. student. Well, I think mm-hmm. that was to set a scene for Sayonji experiencing life as, like, quote-unquote, a woman. Um, mm-hmm. However, I do think it was a little much. It was, like... It was a little much, a little quick, I think. Yeah, exactly. But... It does help us, like, the author's point was to say, like, Sayoji's never experienced this level of sexual harassment, and to show us his reaction, which I think would be anybody's reaction to that situation, but it's for him the first time. And the reaction is, like, mm -hmm. being frozen because you just can't believe that just happened until you don't have a chance to, because the guy just left, I'm sure. But that's Mm -hmm. a mood, though. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? It happens. Like, the, you know. It's literally what happens. Exactly, Yeah. And, and so I do think the author had some personal experience with this. I just think it was a little, a little forced to put that. It's a little so forced, quickly. definitely. But it is very on the nose. Like the whole it's sense of like super common. You, you think uh, when you're thinking about that sort of thing happening that you would turn and smack the crap out of them or scream at them or something. And in reality, you just kind of stand there like fucking really. <laughs> Honestly, I've only now gotten to the point where I'll start yelling at people for shit like that. Yeah. Because I've just gotten, it's, it's not it's a like, surprise anymore. It's you just, just kind of like, stand there like, I can't. A couple of weeks ago, somebody was like doing the drive slow and, and yell things while I was walking down the street and I just started screaming at him for <laughs> Yeah, like, I did the screaming back at people for like a couple years of my life and then things settled down and like I, I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm going to try just to ignore stuff more. And, mm-hmm. um, my actually, you know, just slight tangent. My favorite mm-hmm. memory ever is Ooh. my ex girlfriend. Um, some guy on a bike was harassing both of us, and she went to the dumpster that was right next to us and pulled out an oar and chased the guy on the bike down the street trying to hit him with the <laughs> nice. oar. And it's my nice. favorite memory ever of like us being harassed uh, together because we were all the time. And yet I have to wonder what iconic. Who was throwing yeah. away a boat? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And you know, at first I was like, You're amazing. And she was like, Well, I I did know the oar was in the dumpster. Uh. But I was like, still <laughs> very beautiful. nice. Do we know how the um author identifies? No. I do not know. Oh. Don't know anything about him. I'm just kind of assuming the name that the author is has... Sylvia. I mean, we can guess. I mean, not that we know, but we could guess female. But no. In 2002, I would say hmm? probably a safe assumption. In 2002, yeah, yeah. Um, they may no longer identify as female, so, but yeah. they probably did back then. Oh, whether they, however they de- identified, it's um, the experience of harassment is entirely based on how people perceive you socially. So yeah, that's, that's what yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. Was the insane. name Sylvia. Yeah. I, I think I do agree indicates that they have, I also combining it with the tax experiences they have experiences with, or um, mm-hmm. indicates they have experiences with harassment. So, well, we've yeah. got to move on in addition, mm-hmm. in addition to the uniforms, which obviously Sayonji totally hates. He gets, you know, all his, like, admission papers and ID with a fake name. It's Yoshitoyo Sayuri. Sayuri. We'll probably say Sayuri in English. Was 
Was this before uh, Memoirs of a Geisha came out or after? I meant to look that up, but I, I don't know. Saw that movie no, book, when I was book. about oh the book. Two thousand five is the is the movie. The movie came out okay. right after the book, like a year after, two years after. To the uh, the book got published in ninety seven. The movie in two thousand five. So yeah, this person read Memoirs of a Geisha. Yasha's also written a character by that name. Yes, right around that time. Yeah, right around that time. So As a gift like, for Vana, and I was reading like the this. book, so I just snatched the name. But I do remember a period in fanfic where every main character OC was called Sayuri. <laughs> it was it was the hot name to use. Mm-hmm. Although I guess it does follow from Sainju well enough. It does. I like. I just maybe an aside. Who knows. I was reading this whole section about, like, this, like, literally, you know, sweetly packaged new identity, and I just had this mental image of, like, Akio and Toga giggling and baked making this new identity. Well, it's not <laughs> Toga, and Akio's actually surprised by this whole situation, <laughs> it's not, so it's Anthe. It's Anthe. But I didn't know at the time uh, that that's, because I was like, I swear to God, this sounds like something Toga and it's Akio do It's well. Academy Witness Protection Program. Yes. <laughs> well, true to form, Sionji, for one thing, does not spend a single moment wondering wh- who no. set this up. And for a second thing, his his main thought is like, for half a second, he's like, well, I'm just going to go back to Otori and even just being near Anthe is enough. Yeah. But, but he, that only lasts about 30 seconds before he's like, I'm probably going to get back into dueling. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to duel <laughs> someone at some point. Just really takes that assumption right right down the drain where it belongs. But yeah, no, he doesn't question anything, but I've always felt like, like, Sainji is that fool that kind of knows he shouldn't. Yeah. Like, this is where you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. <laughs> Even if that horse is about to run you over. <laughs> kind of bizarre, because he's very unhappy not having his own body, which is kind of the experience of dysphoria we've been talking about, is like, he mm-hmm. looks in the mirror, and actually the descriptions are crazy like there's one point where he says when i look in the mirror at first i see this attractive young woman and i accept it but then as soon as i see it as myself the images distort and merge together and become really grotesque mm. however mm-hmm. which is a great description of dysphoria not gonna lie um however it's like he also has this opportunity so in order to distract himself from what is essentially dysphoria and also lack of identity, not having himself as, you know, mm-hmm. being Sayonji anymore. He just throws himself into kendo and going, you know, back to school and all. It's mostly the kendo club. At one point, he's kind of like, I'm probably in some level of shock. But that's a good thing because it's clamping down on my other emotions and letting me, like, mm-hmm. go do kendo or whatever. I'll just roll <laughs> with that. Yep. Oh, but yeah, when he gets to Otori, the first thing that happens is Wakaba sees him. And, like, runs after him and is like, oh, wow, you look so awesome. And did you know you look like this guy that I knew? And, like, she says, and I should introduce you to my friend Utna and all that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, great. Uh, I'm going somewhere else now. But it sets up this thing where Wakaba has an immediate friend crush on him and is Mm -hmm. trying to, like, be friends with him because she likes super cool people and people who look Mm -hmm. like Sionji, I guess. Yes. Also, that that whole you're so pretty Curly and all of that trash. kind of thing yeah. comes directly after him calling the uniform a humiliating travesty. Which, <laughs> which to is, be I don't fair. know, that tickled me. 
<laughs> to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I did find that interesting that he didn't like the uniform to begin with and then realized how much he didn't like the uniform when yeah. he had to wear it. It's like, yeah, that's right. It's awful. <laughs> if that was his first, like, oh my god, I have to wear this, that was another moment of realizing what it's like, you know, to mm-hmm. experience misogyny. Mm-hmm. Like, this uniform fucking sucks. Like, come on, mm-hmm. let's be real. Nobody wants it's to true. wear that. Yeah, we, we all want no. bigger sh- shoulders on our uniforms, right? That's, Ugh. that's what we Tough all want. Sh- shoulders. <laughs> and uh, other than meeting Wakaba, he kind of like does his basic setup, gets assigned his dorm room, and he goes to the kendo club. And immediately. Immediately. And mm-hmm. Toga's now the the president of the kendo club. Uh, but does not show up at all. Well, no, that's that's one hundred percent correct. I remember there's that point in the Utena game where if Sionji has disappeared and you go to visit the kendo hall, where your character mm-hmm. goes and like Toga meets you there and he's like, ah, yeah. sorry, no practice today because the president has disappeared and the vice president never shows up. And she's like, Aren't aren't you the vice president? He's like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's my boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Avoiding work like the king he is. <laughs> but but it seems like other people are running the show. Like, there's this yeah. one, like, cool yeah. cool senpai-type mm-hmm. girl who's good at kendo who, like, is like, oh, yep. you look like someone who does kendo. Let's get you a boken or whatever you use in kendo. Yeah, because <laughs> Sayonji is confident enough to walk all the way past yeah. the beginners into the experienced area. So they duel... And it's actually a pretty long description of the duel between them. It's very yeah, long. It's... But, like, a really interesting one because he's, like, adapting to his new body. You know what I found interesting about that? He So he shows up at the Kendo Hall and he's having this sort of, like, oh, God, what if I get recognized because of how I walk or how I stay? Like, because he's stressing that how, like, reading other people is important. So he's having this sort of, like, mental, like, oh, no, how do I hide that I'm Sainji Kyoichi, the best Kendo ever (laughs) and and instead of going maybe i'll start with the noobs and kind of try and like you know blend in and get used to no i'm gonna go straight to end game like an idiot right (laughs) this is the third best person in the kendo club after him and toga exactly so it's it's very and that's also just is all hell going i should i should i should nope just, just yep. go straight for the for the top of the pile. Maybe I should do this the smart way. Yeah. No. Maybe I should figure out how it hard. is to fight in this new body with some of the noobs that won't, you know, recognize my sweet skills. <laughs> no, no, he's gonna go straight for endgame like a dumbass, and it's <laughs> like I kind of he he does win, but it's still funny because it's exactly like it's this it's the same deep understanding of of you know circumstance and and. That makes him go, I'm not going to question this box with an identity in it. <laughs> so what we're same. saying And is I kind of loved this, it. This person has a really good handle on science. It's <laughs> very good. It's it's very science. Just to be just, no, I can't not be the best, or at least I can't not try to, to be the best. And in Toga's absence, it will actually pan out that I'm the best. And he's right, sadly. Mm-hmm. I don't think that does him any favors. <laughs> but yeah, there's a very long uh, uh, fight scene which looked better researched than the appearance of characters that appear later in the, sh- the series was researched. Well, yeah, it's interesting because the series Utena does not care about kendo or fencing, like as no. mechanically, and so it's interesting actually hearing some like someone who does care about it or seems to or can fake mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's an interesting fight. He ends up kind of getting the edge when. 
she tries to do something like kind of fancy that you kind of do when you're a little bit outmatched and trying to fake him out and he you know sees through it and mm-hmm. manages to win the fight yeah yep. and there's mm-hmm. also like several moments where he expects to do the right thing but he is kind of defeated by his lower center of gravity uh, what he expects you know? less arm strength mm-hmm. than he's expecting yeah mm-hmm. um the other thing he's annoyed about is that no one's talking about him in the kendo club, and he would be like, I, I just freaking got expelled, like, a moment ago. <laughs> yes. Well, and everyone, everyone's just like, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, Toga's our president, our, our super cool president, that's Toga. And he's like, what's going on? It's great, though, because it enforces the idea that Sayonji is, like, his insecurity, basically. Sure. Until yeah. he finally realizes... Well, Wakaba drags him in front of Utena and is like, meet yeah. my other super cool best friend. We'll all be friends, Utena. And Utena's like, ah, uh, yeah, hey, hey, nice to meet you, whatever. And, and <laughs> you know, and Wakaba's like, doesn't he look just, doesn't she look just like Sayonji? And Utena's like, I don't know, I never even met the guy. And Sayonji's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, that's... Ichina man, why are you like this? <laughs> well, well, what's happening is it's the when you're kicked out of Obatori, everyone forgets yeah. about you thing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but also she's just a spectacular dumbass. So. Yeah, Utina is. If anyone okay. would be susceptible right. to that, it's Utina, right? Like mm-hmm. yep. you know, because it raises the question: What does Utina think happened that got her engaged to Anthe? But it raises the answer: Utina is not even going to spend five seconds thinking about that because Utina does yeah. not think about things. Bold, bold <laughs> assumption to think she thought about this. <laughs> she did not. She did not have enough fucks to give for his biology no. that this she is... would remember him. No. No, this is someone that spent several episodes watching a car zoom around the jewel arena, and then, like, when she actually sees it outside of the arena, she's staring at it like, huh. I think I've seen that car before. Huh. And it just, it never, <laughs> it never clicks. So I'm not surprised that she totally forgets about Sainji, who she just, like, got attacked by two days ago or something. Three or four <laughs> days ago or whatever. That's the thing that makes me laugh. Not that, oh, we fought before. It's like, dude, you just had this, like, huge climax of fucked up in the arena at night with this Sainji guy. And you're like, who? I never met him. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that Wakaba remembers him. Because she had a crush on him, right, and sent mm-hmm. him a letter. But so did other people, and other people well, don't seem to remember him. People so... with a strong emotional attachment, I guess, because I to- guess. Toga, yeah, Toga shortly does after this too. does see him walking through the hall, and like, from behind, like, runs over, like, kind of pulls him aside, and Sanji turns around and is like, what the hell do you want? Who are, who are you? Like, he's pretending not to know Toga. Which is also weird, because, like, he's obviously wearing the girls' school uniform, so... <laughs> Why would he from behind think he was Sayonji? Well, maybe Sayonji's just walking down Otori wearing the girl's uniform. Like, you don't know. And then he turns around and... I, I do have at least one doujinshi like this. Or <laughs> or did before okay, they scanned you know it. You know what that implies? <laughs> that implies Toga thinks that Sayonji would show up as, as, as someone who is male presenting in a girl's uniform to sneak into the school. That's a... That's a <laughs> That's a thing Toga thought might have happened. So what tips him off? Is it the boobs? Well, <laughs> they're not supposed to be that big. Like you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess. Yeah, uh, the about face ruined it. Oh, yeah, it was, he, it, he it was the lavender eyes. No, well, both yeah, both yeah. of those things. There's like staring at Sayonji, and Sayonji's like, "Don't tear a freaking girl's arm off." And then there is the line: Toga's gaze slid downwards as though pulled on a string, gravitating to Sayonji's chest and staying glued, glued to his breasts. Don't tell me you've never seen any before, Sayonji said. 
Toke is a little better at this than that. Well, but, he's yeah. totally thrown, and Sanji just, like, you know, yeah. attacks him verbally, and then Toga, oh. like, oh, pardon my unforgivable rudeness. Please let me seduce you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which, you know, that's what I he mean, do. God. <laughs> Ela, th- this is right around where I realized this was actually episode 10, because he hadn't gotten owned by Utena yet, so he's still in full-on, I have my shit together, yep. like... Okay, Toga. Okay. But I still feel like if you had an inkling that this might have been Sanji, the I, I don't think the visible breast should really have distracted you from the way Sanji talks. Because, yeah, Sanji does zero to pretend he's not Sanji. He's, like, snarking at him. He's negging him. So, uh, several times but... Sanji knows things that he shouldn't because he is Sanji, yes. like, about Toga or Toga's house or Toga whatever. According to mm-hmm. the text, though, his voice has changed from a baritone to an alto. Yes, an alto true. is very high. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, not that voice alone should be an indicator, but, like, you couldn't mm-hmm. pitch your voice that high, you know, no. on your own. So I think there's some mitigating factors. And yeah. I have to give Sayonji credit, too, in the scene for, like, being so cool and calm. Like, I kind of would not have expected that from him. However, the author, I think, does a good job of building up that he can withstand the situation. He's, like, he's figured out a path for himself. So that's kind of cool, actually. Well, I also have to assume that Sanji has a reflex of seeing Toga hit on someone and reacting with sheer disdain. And so even when it's him as the subject... That, like, makes him, like, makes Sayonji likable, which, like, I've never found Sayonji (laughs) likable, but, like, this author does it, like, somehow, and I don't know how, but they did it, so, like, props, I guess? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think they do a really good... I mean, it does, it does bear mentioning that this is not, uh, Sayonji's first out-of-body experience, so to speak. Yeah. He did body he's, swap with Choo Choo. Yeah, he's been a he's been a monkey mouse. And his first reaction was also to practice kendo, so it, it tracks. <laughs> that actually is such a good point. <laughs> is it the first thing he does is like I'm gonna do my kendo anyway? It gets a little teeny. <laughs> it sheds light on that last joke scene of the curry episode. Just thinking yeah. that that in his head, Sanji's yeah. thinking like I gotta figure out how I'm gonna win a duel in this body. <laughs> Kind of like, yeah, it works. Like this, this was a good fanfic for Sayonji for me because it helps me to understand that like he's very single-minded. It's mm. like, yes, I must practice kendo, but that's not always in a bad way. Yeah, yeah, because like he is very single-minded, but it, it's this is the thing that like grounds him and centers him, and he does know to like go to that. Yeah, the so author does a good like, job. Yeah, yeah, it makes him seem like someone who might conceivably be in control of his actions if he wasn't like under the boot heel of Anthe and company <laughs> at all times so if you were in a better situation well, yeah <laughs> now it, before the kind of main toga soundy stuff kind of really kicks off we've got a shadow play and i've got to say they found a good way to do a shadow play in a text format because you don't want to just say like oh there were shadows on the wall where were they coming from <laughs> But instead, it's voices from behind a door. It is. And I like that Sainji is able to see it. And I like we, I like that we get foreshadowing of the dragon master. Yeah, you start getting kind of the groundwork being laid down for that. Yeah. Well, there was also a little prequel fanfic that kind of laid that yes. down, where it was like Toga, really short. Kind of just a Toga monologue being like, oh, I realize that like princes don't exist and became a dragon instead. And it's set up 
in that prequel little fanfic metamorphosis, it's set up as like the alternative, the male version of the female dichotomy that Utena sets up of princess or witch. It's like prince mm-hmm. or dragon. Yeah. So mm-hmm. instead of That's version it. whore, you're set up with like a chivalrous dude or rapist, basically. Right. And this shadow play has Aiko and Biko, presumably, um, kind of negotiating who's going to be the prince and who's going to be the princess as they, like, you know, in this relationship that they're setting up or whatever. And eventually, I, I don't know who's who, but whatever, one of them's like, oh, well, fuck it, sure, I'll be the princess, whatever. But then the other one who is now assigned the prince role is like, oh, but if if I try to become this person's prince, they're going to see that, like, actually, I've got these, like, wolf ears, I'm some kind of werewolf or whatever, a very fairy tale. <laughs> And so I better mm-hmm. just eat them instead. This is very, like, a shadow play. <laughs> it's very shadow play, yeah. yeah. It's it's very shadow play. And and not the last time you see Sainji understand the shadow play curse. Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, those musicals that I've been screeching about, Sainji... There's a new shadow ab- play girl. Is actually Esco. a shadow play girl. Esco. Esco. That just raises Esco. more questions. Well, I mean, it will make sense when, you, but it's totally, it totally just parses out as yeah. Of course, Sainji is the one that's gonna like walk by the shadow play girl, see them doing their play, and be like, "Huh, I can also do this," and then walk away. Like, well, doesn't slow. he even say something like, "Okay, well, nothing important happens until after the shadow play, so I guess I got to do it myself." Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, he does that. It's, but yeah, it's pretty so neat. That's very. It's that same reading of Sainji being one of the ones that's more aware of the. And that's also something that they they kind of stress in in this as well. Like he seems to be aware that there's a fuckery with the passage of time or memory or he has that. Like they keep depicting him as someone who's like just on the edge of an awareness that something's wrong with the school, but he still like goes right back to it. Like consciously, he even like there's even a part in the fic where he's like, "That place is a hot mess. I'm going back because <laughs> I want to see Anthe." So it's and it's very uh, the same way, but he he doesn't end up uh, sticking around for the shadow play. He kind of like crawls away. Like I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see that. <laughs> just like he does with I all mean, the other weird stuff in the show. It's probably the safest, the safest thing to do. It's, it's the most self-preserving thing. That that's before it comes up that or it, or that's after it comes up that he doesn't have a a dress mm. to wear to the ball. So for this next part of the fanfic, the seduction kicks into full gear because Toga has seen a girl who has crossed his consciousness and therefore he's like full on. Yeah. And <laughs> not not only crossed his consciousness, but actively negged him. Oh yes, she fought. And and, <laughs> and Saiji is aware of that too. I don't know if he does it yeah. right away or later, a but he realizes later. like, oh no, I put up a fight. <laughs> Rip me. Like it's so yeah, you knew. What a dumbass. (laughs) Well, I mean, what were his alternatives? Jump into bed or fight and... End up in bed anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But I do like that he has that moment of clarity where he realizes his gravest mistake was trying to get the hell away from Toka. (laughs) And we have this this prequel fanfic, which is very short, in which uh, Sayonji and Toga have, like, a brief thing, you know, Mm-hmm. And Sayonji mm-hmm. is like... Yeah, like a little playing around when they were yeah. younger, close friends, right. before things went to shit. Yeah. Right. And this is like really bizarre because 
Sayonji is not perceived as himself. He's given a dress by Toga, like the same way Utno was. To go to a party, to same way. To go to way. a party, yes, Everything's same cyclical. Way. And there is, like, basically just seduction at this point. And Sayonji, I think, doesn't want to give in, but I think he's really attracted to Toga, so he does. Well, let's... Let's talk about another thing before we oh, get sure, to the sure. culmination. I guess two things, because speaking of things being cyclical and Sayonji being on the edge of awareness of like kind of the kind of shit that's going on here, I feel like, I don't know if it's this scene or later, but he's at a party at the Kiryu place. Like, it must have been here. And he's like, is it just me or are the parties here the same every time? I could swear <laughs> that like, you know, the, it's the same people here and the same music playing. And yes, it's, mm-hmm. it's all stock footage, Sayonji. That's what you're in. Uh-huh. Yeah. With the Kiryu parties. <laughs> anyway, at the party, he's been trying to find Anthe. He, like, sees Anthe at the party mm-hmm. and is, like, you know, struck. And walk And Wakaba sees him and thinks he's in love with Toga. And so, yeah. but that's interesting in that she gets to have a heart-to-heart with him about, like, yeah, it really sucks to be in love with someone you know you shouldn't be, but you just can't help yourself. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. kind of like... But they have a moment, you know? Yeah, they have it's an ex- sweet. It's a sweet moment, it's actually. Because he actually tries to provide some kind of emotional support for her. It's it's really cute. Yeah, he starts to appreciate her sincerity. There's a lot of there's a lot in this fanfic of Sayonji being disdainful towards people. And obviously he's like totally he's an asshole and he's a misogynist and like he looks down on he looks down on a lot of people, but not just women, because he he wants everyone to stand up to these certain masculine, you know, in quotes, whatever ideals that he has, which includes dignity and, like, sincerity about what you're doing. And so, like, for example, he crosses this, like, one guy who he just, like, writes off as a total jerk because, like, oh, he came to Kendo because he thought it would make him look cool. But, like, he kind of likes, you know, the third-in-line Kendo person because she's really committed to Kendo. And so mm-hmm. he he can only really approve of people on that basis, it seems like. Yeah. But this is also <laughs> a story about Sayonji confronting his own misogyny, because mm-hmm. when he does have that kind of conversation with Wakaba, he kind of realizes, oh, this, this girl is, like, willing to, like, listen to me and understand me. And that's only mm-hmm. because she perceives him to be a woman that that happens. But then mm-hmm. he sort of is like, whoa... Like, I can get this sort of empathy from people if I just position myself in a certain way. And I really appreciate the author does this because it's like, this is something he didn't have access to, being raised to be this, like, hyper-masculine man this, all of his life. And he gets mm-hmm. empathy from being perceived as a woman, and that that kind of helps him in a way. And he sees the merits of, like being a woman, basically. Now, after mm. that, uh, Toga seduces him. Yeah. That's, it's kind of like, <laughs> what a, what oh, there's some down. merits to this, and then just, just, just crash. Like, hey, look, crash. feelings. Feelings are good. Hey, oh, this I is might what enjoy gets done these with fe- Oh, we're gonna fuck Toga now. This is what happens with feelings. Mm-hmm. Sort of a mixed bag. Sayonji does kind of, like, he has his good memories of Toga, even if he knows Toga's a total asshole and, like, they're not exactly close anymore. Mm -hmm. And Toga, you know, he pulls out all the stops. There's a few times in this conversation where, like, I had to kind of take a step back and understand what Toga's doing. Because, like, he says things like, it feels like I've known you, like, my, you know, my whole life. Like, your movements are really familiar. Or he says things like, um... 
oh, I'm, I'm so glad. Like, I want to talk to you. You're, like, different from everyone else. And I was alone at the party all night. And Sam, she's like, you uh-huh. were surrounded by people at the party all night. And Toga was like, I mean, I, I was alone, even though I was surrounded by people. And he seems really serious. And I was like, right. And for a moment, I was like, is the author trying to say that, like, Toga is actually letting down his guard a little bit? But what I came to realize when I realized, when I thought about Toga a little bit more is that Toga is telling the truth some of these times. Mm -hmm. He is telling the truth to seduce Sionji. Yes. Like, he has no problem telling the truth at moments where that's the useful strategy for him. Right. And then other times he won't. Yeah. And, like, as someone reading it, it's it's kind of, like, almost... I mean, the wrong metaphor, but, like, a boy who cried wolf kind of thing is at this point, even when he's being sincere and demonstrably sincere because this all makes sense, you still, like, uh-uh. Yeah. This is some bullshit. And Sanji, he's, he's, he reacts the same way. Like, on one hand, he's like, that makes sense. And on the other hand, wow, is that some bullshit you would just feed anybody? Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> it's like, like, he would, like, he would say the same thing and just lie. Sincere. Yeah, Totally. Like, yeah. so, like Toka's just built himself into this corner where he can't be sincere at all anymore because nobody believes him and they think it's a line. Just like in uh, episode uh, 30, uh, 36. Mm-hmm. Like, he takes Utena up into the uh, arena and he's having this sincere moment, but you, Utena, and all people reading or writing that script were going, he's full of shit. <laughs> so, because at this point, Toga can't be sincere and that's part of, like... And I think that's also part of the context of why, like, changing how Sainji is presented to him is being used in the fic. To be like, is he sincere under different circumstances? Check yes or no. And in this scene, it's sort of a mixed bag because it could be both. And and I think it it's supposed both. to be is. Like, it, it is, is both. both. Yeah. But, but it's almost a little bit of, like, poor Toga. He literally can't say anything now. He, yeah. There's nothing Toga does will ever be construed as sincere by anyone that knows him at all. <laughs> I um, mean, maybe, maybe not Nami. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a good, like, maybe. kind of foil situation because we're getting mm-hmm. Toga as, like, I'm going to be the prince, or I guess he decided to be the dragon, as we emphasized in the earlier fic, but I think we can get to that concept uh, later. However, mm-hmm. this is Toga being, you know, like, I'm going to get girls no matter what the cost. Whereas Sionji, mm-hmm. having put himself in a different position, is kind of like, and Sionji's never really been the same as Toga. He's been pursuing Anthe specifically, not just girls. So we kind of see mm-hmm. this emphasized very strongly. And then we also see, you know, him being like, Toga, I see you. I see you pursuing girls at all costs. That's never really been me. However, I've also wanted to be a prince in that sort of concept. However, him being lost in that concept and reverting to, hey, Toga, you're cute. And also being in the position he is, getting empathy from Wakaba and other people being like, oh, well, I can understand other people's feelings. So we have a really good like juxtaposition of... Toga trying to use feelings as a manipulation tool and Sayonji being like, you know what? I see through all of this, but I still have these feelings and I'm going to act on them, which he does. And Mm -hmm. that action results in... An extended sex scene. A very long sex scene. A very long sex scene. Uh, You know, I can't say that nothing would be lost if this was about half as short as it actually is because things would be lost 
But I think it would read tighter if it was much, much shorter. Womp womp. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seemed well-written enough. I, I actually, like, I appreciated this was the best-written sex scene that we've read and that I think maybe I've ever read in media. It was very long, and I don't think it needed to be this long, but it was, like, pretty, like, to me, accurate and, like, well-described the whole way through. So there's yeah, that, yeah. you know. I'm not saying well it's done. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm pretty much in agreement with you. It's it feels too long, but it is well written. It like, feels like it takes longer to read than the sex would have taken to have. That's kind of yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. <laughs> like an editor would definitely have have taken some of it to the chopping block, but it's still it's still very well written, I think. And mm. definitely Definitely doesn't fall to a lot of the, you know, yawning sinkholes that sex scenes and fanfic tend to end up in. <laughs> like, it does pretty well. Not, and it's, and despite its length, it doesn't necessarily start to feel like indulgent and gratuitous. No, that's the weird thing is it doesn't feel gratuitous. It's just, I don't know, yeah. like in my editor brain, I'm going, okay, you could have put those two sentences together and you'd still have the same meaning, but you would have lost a few words that were kind of unnecessary to convey the point kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's all of it is there for a reason. And the the author did one thing that I really love to see in um, fix or stories like actual published stories that have sex in them is that they use it to illuminate the characters. It's not just there to titillate the audience. It's actually telling you things mm-hmm. about the characters and how they feel and what they think. And that's something that, to be honest, a lot of people don't really handle very well. Like, a lot of authors don't really handle it's very like well. It's like a channel switches when it's time for the sex scene. Yeah. And the sex scene is often not necessarily used to... Like, you know, the whole, like, if you, if this doesn't continue the story, develop the characters, then don't write it. Mm -hmm. A lot of sex scenes do neither of those things and are just just sex scenes to have them there. Mm -hmm. And this one I think does, and maybe that's why it doesn't start to feel gratuitous. Is Is because it is informing you about the characters the whole time, which is good. I liked that about it. I agree in that sense. And I also think that, like, you know, a lot of sex scenes are really overdone. And this felt like, yeah, like, I can relate to that experience of having sex. Like, it's not, it's not weird or bizarre or, like, over the top or, like, yeah, like you said, just designed to be arousing in any way. It's just, like, that's Mm kind of what having sex is like. There you go. Mm -hmm. Now, my favorite thing about it is that once it's done and they've had this, you know, extensive, satisfying, emotionally connecting, at least on Sionji's end, like sex and, you know, falling asleep together and wake up in the morning. Uh, Toka's like, bye. Yeah, Toka's like, I'm out. You'll be late for class. Better get dressed. Get going. And Sionji's reaction is like, yeah, that was going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. That's about what I expected. (laughs) Which I think is, that is, that is very on the nose for, okay, actually, no, I do have one major criticism of this sex scene. Okay. And and I think I actually started screeching about this in the mod chat on the discord because I was so like, oh, fucking please. Mm -hmm. Uh, At one point, there is a line akin to, uh, Sanji had gone down on women before. And I'm Ow. like, bullshit! <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I didn't believe that either. This is this is episode ten. The closest thing he's gotten to pussy is something Nanami's tried to drown. And actually they even like like the author even describes Sainji in a way that makes me think, yeah. Because like like the way he talks about Anthony and things like that still come across as very I haven't done anything like mm-hmm. earlier in the fic. Like he just comes across as dumb virgin energy. And then out of nowhere is this line, uh, he'd gone down on women before, and I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> if episode 10 Sarenji has had any sort of sexual encounter at all, which he has not, <laughs> it definitely didn't involve him giving <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that's fair. I just, that is fair. That, I double-taked at that, That, too. like, I, I just crashed into a brick wall and had to, like, step away for a minute after I read that, because... It, no. And the funny thing is, it's even no in the context of the fic, because everything around it otherwise is very, Sainji's a virgin, like, he's he's literally a virgin in this body, it's just so, like, give me a break. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Sainji's gone down on women. Oh, yeah. So by episode 10. That was... Uh, he's that a very too. generous giving sexual partner, yeah. as we would assume. Yeah, no. Was... <laughs> I agree with that. I also... Speaking of, the only other part I had to object to the sex scene was the virginity part. I buy that Sayonji's new body hasn't had sex before, but it's like all of these myths about, you know, penetration and having to like tear the hymen, which it does not have to. You don't have to do that. Like you, you can be good, especially because in the sex scene, Toga inserted fingers in Sayonji before. So it's like you could stretch it out a little bit. Like you don't you don't yeah. have to cause pain. And, and that's that's my objection. That, so I do feel like they actually like I mean on one hand we still had to do the convention of it. Like Yeah, that I know, is a check, pretty checking big off convention. that box. Fine. But they do justify it. Because yeah, because Sayonji doesn't think to mention it and doesn't. And I do like that because if you have to give Toga anything yeah, he would not have rolled that way, and he says so immediately. Like, why didn't you say anything? I wouldn't have gone this route. Like, I think Toga, if you have to give him anything, he would have done that and been a lot better about that had he not know had he known. It is and sympathetic. So too yeah, oblivious to bring it up. Yeah, it's sympathetic that he says like I hadn't even considered it. It, it makes it more sympathetic, yeah. but it's like it's kind of cute. It yeah. But the but it I is think it is I think it's the writing yeah. of the it's very actual sciencey. physical sensations and such yeah. is a kind of doesn't to be honest it strikes me more painful than it actually was yeah so but that's that's what I mean by it's a convention like there's this gleeful celebration of the pain involved yeah and I do like that they actually did put into that that it's not how Toga would have done it mm-hmm. Like, it would not have been painful if, if Sainji had been like, yo, by the way. Also, I do love that Sainji's response to Toga being like, like why didn't you tell me? Is just basically, just shut up and fuck, just, okay? Just, just, just shut up God. and fuck. And then Sainji's response is, like, to push through the pain. So, yeah. and my man objection, like, like I believe that for Sainji's character... However, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a good, like, understanding here that that's not normal. And I, I think mm. that's my main objection is it's like, 
it kind of makes it like normalizing to for anybody to say like, oh, mm-hmm. you must push through the pain the first time you mm-hmm. tear the mm-hmm. hymen apart. It's like you don't have to tear it. You can stretch it. You don't need to have pain mm-hmm. the first time that you have sex. And I think that's a really important thing to say. So it is. while I believe it for Sayonji's character, not having an understanding and also mm-hmm. being who he is... I don't like the way it's done for that reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure we could read... talk about Sayonji's hymen for a long time. Oh, but yeah, it, like yeah. we do infinite period. We do need to jump forward, I think, <laughs> in, in what we're talking about. And it can go relatively quickly because there's a portion of this fanfic that's just sort of episodes 11 and 12 happening. And they mostly yes. happen in the background. And this is, you know, Toga versus Utena, and Utena loses, uh, Particle Man... And, you know, they have a rematch, and Udna wins. And the main beats there are that, like, Wakaba, who considers Sayonji a friend now after having one heart-to-heart conversation, which seems completely accurate. It's, it's yes! Absolutely Wakaba. <laughs> absolutely, Wakaba. This is 100% how Wakaba rolls. <laughs> so she, like, pulls Sayonji in to, like, be backup when she's like, Utna, you need to stop being depressed and be Utna again. And Sayonji gets to be there and be like, yeah, what she said, don't take Toga's shit. <laughs> And then, but then the main thing is that after Udna goes and beats Toga again, there's, Toga goes into his depression. So the author must at least have kind of known what happened in Black Rose yeah. arc. Mm-hmm. And Not the severity of it, though, I'm guessing, because, well, it's, Toga well, successfully lured that's out. not clear. Right, Saoji yeah. does lure him out. I mean, he goes to that party so that Keiko can have her moment in, you know, Black Rose mm-hmm. arc also. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Sayonji sort of takes it upon himself to go talk to Toga and make sure that he's okay. And that kind of sets the scene for most of the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Which does make sense, because I always felt like if you, like, I do feel like you had to remove Toga. Like, I know it was a coincidence of voice acting, blah, blah, blah. But I think it benefited the story to remove Toga, because otherwise you'd have had to account for what Toga was doing. But to remove Toga, you also had to remove Sainji, because if Sainji had still been an active agent in that school, this is exactly what he would have done. Mm-hmm. He would have stomped over to Toga's house and, and just slapped the shit out of him until he got out of his little yep. sad rut. So it's kind of funny that, like, for this whole story to work the way that it did, you had to pull both of these people out of the school, because otherwise they would never have put up with each other's bullshit. And this is like them trying to reconcile that, I think, because in this version of the story, Sainji's there. So, like, I did kind of find that amusing that they realized that this was a problem and tried to kind of, like, write around it. I don't know that I necessarily feel like that worked, but I do 100% buy uh, Sainji, regardless of of what he looks like, stomping in and being like, Bitch, we're going to fight until you get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty much happens. Sayonji, in this, you know, persona of Sayuri, like, comes in and shows, like, way more emotional understanding of Toga than she definitely should have, but Toga does not really worry about it. They have a kendo match and, you know, helps ta- snap Toga out. And afterwards, Toga's like, you should be vice president with me, and that kind of thing. Kind of goes after Sayonji about it. And Sayonji's internal thought process just like i'm not going to be vice president of the kendo club mm-hmm. so beneath me which is mm. i know it's kind of cute like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah toga should just recognize that i am a better you know kendoist <laughs> and turn over yeah. the presidency to me but he doesn't come out and say that no also you made the mistake of letting toga have the presidency yeah 
once he's never Tucker gonna has get it, it that's not gonna never it's gonna not get gonna it get given back to him. On that note, I also like Sanji's complaints about also Toga's a shit instructor. Because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, so. <laughs> either he's like trying to score points with like the female students, or he's like randomly mm-hmm. harsh because he just like doesn't have any patience for it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> see him being a good teacher at all, to be honest. Nope. I mean, I don't see Sanji being a good teacher either, but I'm sure he thinks he is. Uh, I don't know. I can see side. Like, I feel like Sanji outside, and they establish like they do establish that in the series, like with epi- with the uh, the Black Rose episodes he's in. I feel like the moment you take Sayanji out of the extremely toxic circumstance of the dueling game. And Anthe. And Anthe, which, you know, is part yeah. of that. He becomes a lot more level-headed. Like, just like, you know, once he's had his AccuArc duel and his, his shit's over and he knows it, suddenly he's a lot more level-headed. Yeah. And I feel like in that sense, you know, in the Kendo Hall, in his own little domain where he has his own... Uh, respect and absolute power. He's probably pretty good as a teacher in the same way that I think Jury is probably an excellent captain. But the moment you throw either of these two into the dueling game, it's a it's a hot mess. Yeah. Like, and so I, so I'll I'll give Sanji that one. I do think he probably is a good instructor, and Toga is absolutely not. I think it probably depends on whether you think Sanji's disdain for people is outweighed by his love of Kendo. Because no. if he loves Kendo more, it's, Kendo is is it? Yeah. And if you and if you show up and you show that you respect Kendo as much as it deserves, then you're and okay. You've read all the Yukio Mishima just like he has. <laughs> he will respect you enough. At to least in the you. Kendo hall. At least in the Kendo hall. <laughs> but even though he does successfully snap Toga out, more or less, and get Toga to be out and about. It yeah. falls apart when basically just whatever spells on Sanji wears off, like in front of Toga. He's like talking to Toga, and I didn't uh, quite understand what triggered that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little confused by that that story beat myself, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I thought I missed something there. I, yeah. I didn't quite get either why it happened at that point. Wait. Like, you mean his whole, like, transformation? Yeah, is undone. I didn't mm-hmm. think it wore off so much as, like, I felt like it was kind of a deliberate undoing. But no... Hmm. I, I, but, you know, to be fair, it's it's a very hard to read what actually went on. Like, oh, I don't well, understand fully, is it, what I'm trying to say. It was a deliberate mm-hmm. undoing in that Anthe's over there and she looks at him mm-hmm. and she deliberately undoes it. Okay, so you're right. That's what I thought. Okay, but, you're right. Anyway. But, I mean, it's just not clear why right then. Yes. But what it causes is a big falling out between him and Toga. Toga's very offended that Sayonji deceived him about something, which, you know, is uh, incredibly um, hypocritical and in character. It <laughs> Absolutely oh, it in character. <laughs> I actually, like, I did kind of, like, start laughing at how in character that is. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Stones. Glass. Glass houses. And it made me really upset actually, because the first thing, you know, when it was revealed to Toga, he's like, why did you do this? You know, and he's, like, very accusatory towards Seonji. Like, why did you do this? Why did you transform yourself? Basically, like, you deceived me, and you did this, and it's like, this all happened to Seonji without him wanting it to. And it actually made me yeah, feel a lot of empathy no, for Seonji. Okay. Hmm? Uh... I feel like some of Toga's reaction there is because this is registering on some level of sexual assault. Mm. 
I this mean, is, yeah. This is a situation where one of these people had sex under much more infirmed circumstances than the other one did. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he got taken... Oh, God. I oh, feel like he yep. got Kay. taken a bit for a ride there. I didn't think that metaphor through. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do feel like on some level the severity of Toga's reaction isn't... It's got nothing to do with sex in, like, particular but that he was manipulated and used under false pretenses, and that's registering as an assault situation to him, who, who, given the canon, would have a particular sensitivity to well, that experience. Well, I mean, that's so, only, only peripherally. Per, only that's peripherally. not really canon. But I, but I but. do feel like, like that's, that's kind of how that, that reaction read to me, because on one hand, it's, of course he had that reaction, it, it follows from him, but it's well, also like I mean, he reacted very strongly to something he usually minimizes a lot. Here's sex. the thing. Toga, when he's minimizing sex, it's because he's in control of it. They introduced an element that he was not in control of and did not know about. Yep. That provided that you read Enokido's um, sort of words about toga from outside the anime about him being sexually assaulted repeatedly by his parents when he was a kid taking that measure of control that toga has over sex and just saying no you didn't have it after all is a major major thing that would not go over well yeah like i just feel like yeah i do kind of get toga's reaction here like that's very that's uncomfortable to have been. Mm-hmm. And of course, because he's feeling afraid, he, he would like, immediately go on the offense. Yeah. So, I mean, I, how I read that. I agree. Um, there's two takes here. And one is that Toga not knowing that this was Sayonji is exactly what she all said. Like, a huge betrayal of trust and definitely a form of... I would say of like coercion or assault in that sense. However, mm-hmm. in the text, it's very complicated because there's like a weird element of coercion that Toga also enforces on Seoji. However, Seoji also mm-hmm. agrees. So it, it becomes very misconstrued and it, it's hard to read. However, I understand that Seonji not disclosing identity is important. However, there's something else that rings so true to so many sexual experiences that trans people have is you did not disclose that you were originally, you know, a, your body yeah. used to be different. And and mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of parse the difference between what angers him more. And I'm not, you know, saying either thing is okay or right. I'm saying it's convoluted space. It's unclear whether Toga is more angered by, you know, the whole body situation because he is so heterosexually focused or by not Mm -hmm. knowing that this identity was actually his friend. And and I do think that, you know, his friend not disclosing to him is a legitimate reason to be upset. It's just... He's also a shit in this, too. But it doesn't mean that it's not very legitimate. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely not trying to minimize the whole um, correlation with uh, trans people having to disclose or not disclose. Like, that was an angle. To be honest, I'm generally so Toga-focused. I stick with his head. And in his head, he's 
probably not really thinking that much about the body at all as other than an attack just a way to attack because he's feeling vulnerable yeah yeah that's fair i just think yeah in this fic it does seem like he's very focused on like having sex with women or to be the prince and so i feel like that's part of the reason he's upset but yeah, it is super complicated for yeah. for those reasons. And it, he it's does, not clear. Mm-hmm. And he does immediately be very cruel and, you know, as hurtful as mm-hmm. he possibly can be and drive away Sionji. And this is definitely his defense mechanism of, you know, avoiding intimacy. And mm-hmm. and Sionji goes away. There's this odd scene where Mikage comes by and gives Sionji, like now that he's back in his original body, it's like, hey, we're bringing you back into Otori. I've used my influence to get you back in and I hope that you'll continue to be a great Otori student that we can manipulate into dueling or whatever. Hmm. Which he's consciously okay with in every continuity. Mm-hmm. Sainji is always very aware he's a tool at mm-hmm. this point. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. And here's the scene that you were talking about where he, he says, it was unwise to return to Otori. It was clear that Sainji had once again been cast in the role of pawn in a game he couldn't even guess at. Whatever mm-hmm. Anthony and Otori were, whatever was wrong with Mikage, whatever elaborate scheme the duels for the Rose Bride and the machinations at the end of, this, of the world served, nothing good would come of it. Certainly not for mere mm-hmm. pawns. And then he's like, how long have I even been at Otori anyway? It seems like just that tomorrow is supposed to be the school festival's opening day <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's a different movie that I love. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he goes back in specifically for this because he's thinking Toga's at Otori and Toga's caught up in this, and Toga thinks he's in control of everything, that he's very, very smart, and he is not going to get, like, you know, burned by this, and he definitely is going to get burned by this. Like, 100%. So hard. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's what brings him back into Otori this time, not the Anthe angle. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like that. It's, but it's still, at the end of the day, uh, always rings to me as a justification. Right. He he can't like, step away from where the power and the feeling important is. Yeah. Like, he he needs it so much he will find a reason, altruistic or otherwise, to just waltz his ass back into the school, as Jerry says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so he walks into the student council room, and, like, the other three are playing cards, and he's like, I challenge you to a duel, Toga. And Toga says, you know, uh, shouldn't you challenge no. the actual victor of the duels? He's like, no, I challenge you, Toga. <laughs> I mean, why not? What the fuck? Well, it's not like a dueling arena duel. They go duel in the kendo room, right? They just want—they just Mm -hmm. want to fight. He just wants to fight. But I mean, context would imply. (laughs) So I'm not. I I get their their moment of confusion there. By the same token, I feel like Sainji just just showing up in in the student council chamber and being like, I want to fight, shouldn't seem that strange to any of these people. (laughs) The only reason he would ever show up in the student council room is to challenge someone to a duel or gloat. Exactly. Uh, As per episode one. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, no, no, that time he got yanked up because someone wanted to pretend they cared about beating the Rose Bride. (laughs) Someone being Toga. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Yeah, the whole reason he's in the in the room that time is uh, because is Toga's like, "Hey, don't don't beat up the goods." Literally, that's that's literally the context they use, and it's so cursed. <laughs> Ends of the world will be pissed if you keep beating up the Rose Bride, which is peak irony because later he's going to try to literally beat her by proxy that way. But you know, that's another conversation. Right. This final duel, <laughs> uh, it starts out as a kendo duel, right? 
And it's another neat character beat piece. What it comes down to is that, you know, Toga tries like mind games and such. And one of the, what Sayonji realizes that he's always assumed as per stated in the show, that Toga's a little bit better than him and is just an asshole about it and doesn't really care. But when, when Toga tries the same move that like, you know, Chekhov's, kendo student earlier in the fanfic <laughs> yes. used where mm-hmm. it's like this is kind of a desperation ploy you're trying to like just kind of project overconfidence or whatever like you do mm-hmm. it when you can't quite beat the opponent you know normally toga tries that move and sounds like oh he taught that move and he's using this because he thinks i'm better than him like this mm-hmm. this idea that Sayonji's worse at kendo is just something that Sayonji himself has internalized and like yeah. he gets to kind of get over his inferiority complex a little bit with toga in this fight. Yeah, I, I did actually really like that. I liked that was very cute. That that was a good play, especially especially given um, especially these older fix. You read a lot of fight scenes, and you read a lot of. I, I think it was everyone trying to make up for how lame the fights are in the show. To be honest, <laughs> they are with their eight frames of animation and six <laughs> storyboarded shots that they were allowed to use. Uh, so they were always super, super elaborate, and a lot of the time, frankly, the fight scenes in Old Fic read as more tedious and indulgent than the sex scenes, too. That's true, God. But I do actually really appreciate that they used the fights in this fic to plant and pay off. That's not something that you saw a lot of, or even now. A lot of the time, the fights are there just to be a fight. Mm-hmm. And I do like that they planted and paid that off, and like you said, Chekhov's, you know... Leet, leet kendo move. kendo student. <laughs> so, I did actually like that. And that That's cool. But then things get really weird because it's a two-stage yeah. boss fight. It's an RPG oh, yeah, boss fight. Yes. Yeah, the music changes and you get, you know. Well, I mean, at least it wasn't a load-bearing boss. Ah, Kefka, the load-bearing <laughs> boss. <laughs> He's not the only one. This is the only group I think where that joke might possibly land. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we'll bring you back on for an FF6 fanfic. Oh, yeah. I have a couple oh, of yeah. reserve. That's great. Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Toga turns yeah. into a metaphorical dragon. Well, okay, he turns no, into a literal, literal dragon, but the dragon's also a metaphor. Because it's yeah. Utena. The, the dragon... Yep. Wait, are you saying that it, the dragon's, the dragon's a metaphor? Wait, yes, the are dra- things in Utena a metaphor for something? Well, slow down. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> you are, Now you've read too much into it. No, it's a no, 100% real metaphorical dragon. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to do like Digibro did and just read the entire surface and nothing under underneath. So this is a real fucking dragon. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, Digibro. Sleology <laughs> fights a dragon... And that's the, you know, that's the end. The end. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, but, well, basically, <laughs> um, well, the metaphor dragon has a metaphor in its paw, like in one of its claws, right? And that is the, a child toga. And mm-hmm. so this, this dragon, the dragon is toga's defense as he's built up against him, about himself. And like the child toga is like, you know, mm-hmm. toga's actual like feelings or, you know, being able to connect with people. And um, you can fight it with a sword a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the sword represent? It's actually... Well, the sword represents oh. a penis, Dom. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you're wrong. The sword represents a sword. Oh, okay. <laughs> the sword represents Sainji just laying it all out there in the motor in the motorbike. 
Just, I mean, just, just the sword. The sword is spilled tea. <laughs> now, I, I think this seems kind of cool because, like, when things get weird, things get really weird. And Sanji knows it's weird, but he also knows it's serious. And yeah, very Utena energy. Very right. Good. Yeah. Big Utena energy in this scene. <laughs> and the writing is is really beautiful in this part. I think. Mm-hmm. Actually, now that I think of it, I suppose, like, one of the more impressive things about this whole scene is how comfortable it feels in the latter end of the series, given that in 2002, especially since we have fucking platinum blonde hair, the presumption of a familiarity with that whole end of the series can't be taken for granted. Yeah. So I would say this person had a pretty good grasp of the tone, I guess, of the series. I kind of feel like, why wasn't this person writing us analysis? Because they clearly knew a fuck of a lot, and we're all I wonder if they, I feel like I recognize the name, so... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they showed up in other forums in the fandom. Uh, people in the fandom knew this fanfic, like I said, people recommended it on yeah. the forums and such. Mm-hmm. I should look on my own website and see if Sylvie shows up. very well. It's yeah. a big fucking website. But yeah, um, very well done, I think. The way he beats the dragon is that, you know, like, he can't get through the scales or whatever with his, like, wooden friggin' sword, bamboo sword that he's practicing with or whatever. And he does the thing that always seems like it should be super cool in Utena fanfic and is not as cool as it seems like it should be, because he ends up drawing his own sword. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the reason that that isn't as cool as it seems like it should be is that, like, that's just not the metaphor. That's not the metaphor of drawing the sword. But also, swords are too long to draw from your own chest. You need to be a dagger or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that, like, sounds cool to read, but if you actually, like, try to imagine how it looks in your head, you run out of space, and mm-hmm. you're like, uh, this looks lame now. Yeah. So Nanami could do it, we're saying. <laughs> yes, but that's because Nanami's perfectly happy to shank someone. She's not there to win duels. <laughs> and God bless her, too. But, yeah, no, they, they do try that, but I agree. Uh, but, I mean, I guess what other option was there? Because who would draw Sainji's sword? Uh-huh. This is this is what Nobody I feel does. about. Like, this is what I feel about this fanfic, is, like, when I watch Utna, I think Sanji is the least likable character. He's misogynistic, mm-hmm. he's shallow, he's simple, he kind of pieces out, he's not relevant. However, in this, the author attempted to bring his character around full circle through having him experience what misogyny was like as directed towards him. And they did a good mm-hmm. job, and he felt it, and he changed because of it. And I actually think drawing his own sword is kind of cool in this, because it represents him, you know, it's not the Sayonji we know from the media. It's a Sayonji who has evolved. Mm-hmm. And he's evolved in a way that he's come full circle and he can see himself and acknowledge himself. And therefore, drawing his own sword is kind of like his own self-recognition. Like, mm-hmm. I know who I want to be, basically. I thought that was kind of cool. You're right. The other time I've encountered self-sword drawing is in the draft script of the movie, where originally movie, mm-hmm. movie Anthe in the climax draws her own sword. And I always thought that worked really well because her her arc is deciding not to be dependent on a partner and to be, like, take yeah. independent action. Yeah. And so, like, that mm-hmm. metaphor works really well for her. I see what you're saying, Tori, but I, I think it's just kind of more arbitrary, like, plot way to end this fight here yeah. than it could be. It's, it doesn't feel like it's quite supported enough. I think that, Tori, I think they could have 
definitely built more support in for your reading, and then it would read fine. Like, it's just, they didn't quite build in that support, which is why it feels a little bit like, yeah. oh, I don't know, it could be the one thing, could be the other thing, because we haven't been given... What if we, child we been Tobin had, like, a, reached in and pulled it out? I mean, that yeah, that could have happened, too. But, Somehow. like, the, the little plot breadcrumbs to string us along yeah. to this point have been a little too, too few like, and far between. Because, like, the whole theme of, like, self-reliance and all of that sort of thing would have been easy mm-hmm. to plant into this. And I wonder if maybe that was part of, like, an intent that didn't get quite, yeah. quite sold, but... I think you have to work really hard to make Sionji that character, and I agree that they didn't work quite hard enough for it. Though I do think it was the intent. However, I think the intent is a little defeated at the end in the last scene, because, yeah, that self-reliance doesn't come through in the last scene. But, but that's, we'll move on to But that. the sword's not really the climax, because he beats the dragon, but then the dragon turns into, like, a beautiful young man, and is like, I can be with you forever, and, you know, forever being a key thing for Sionji, because uh, of eternity... Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. and Sionji kills it too. It's described as an incubus in one line, mm-hmm. but it's it, mm-hmm. it's still just the defenses of Toga. It's still the dragon, even though it changed its yeah. form, right? Mm-hmm. And then we got a really strange ending. Yeah, kind of like yeah. an end of the movie type ending, almost. Uh, well, they're not. Driving off in a car. Well, no, but it's the idea that they've entered some sort of separate Close reality. Enough. I think yeah. that's that was my reading. Maybe. Yeah, it it I, does not, feel not like that. Lie, the the ending felt like a wet fart to me. Oh, you're no fun. I, I feel like no. I feel like it should have just ended with with the dragon. I actually like this ending, if only for one reason, and that's a Toga's cut his hair. Sad. No. No, no, I get why. I know why. Mana knows why. I, know, I don't know if I you know. guys remember uh, Amato. It's you probably do. But uh, the whole, my parents made me grow my hair out when they sold me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Toga cutting oh, his yeah, hair yeah. has a little more significance than just, I had. I wanted a new hairdo. It's also, I want to shake off this trauma. Yeah, it's got it's got like the symbolic weight of, of emotional progress for him. Yeah. So like having Togo with short spiky hair is is like he's finally feeling free to choose his own uh, presentation to not necessarily have to be seductive all the time, to not necessarily have to constantly put on a facade, which I thought was really nice and well used. Now, I think those are good comments. There is actually more going on here than just Toga's haircut. Yeah, actually, yeah, Sionji yeah. kind of wakes up, and it's like years later, and he's like living with Toga, and they seem to be partners. And he, all his memories of everything that's been happening, he can feel them trying to slip away, but he makes a conscious effort to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. And I'd say it's the time skip here that's the weirdest, because yeah. he, he talks to Toga, and he's like, you know, he's disoriented. Toga remembers Otori. He's like, do you remember like the duels and like all that weird stuff? And Toga's like, yeah, I remember it. We just, I just don't really want to talk about it because that was like a real yeah. shitty time for everybody. Well, and he also kind of brushes it off like that was so silly and petty and it didn't mean anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is what Toga would do. I think that's a pretty, uh, 
pretty strong and convention in these older fics, though, is that once you're yeah, out of the duels, they all them. kind of feel like, oh, well, that was just a game we played, or yeah. that was well, it was just... often like the the kind of plot point that all of the post-series fics tended to rely on was how did you get them back into Atori, and mm-hmm. it almost always involved reminding them that, that shit had gone down at Atori. And I mean, yeah. I really liked that in Archimage, and, uh, yeah. not Archimage, in Jacquemart and such, but... Yes. How do you actually pronounce that title? Jokumar. <laughs> I don't know. Something like I'm that. Sure. I'm not about to exercise my French right now. <laughs> well, you're Canadian, so you should know all the French, right? Um, no. I, I got taught French here. I got taught days of our lives instead of French. My my French teacher uh, was extremely bad. Good to know that like foreign language schools and high school are the same everywhere. I know, right? My four years of high school Japanese got me out of the first semester of college Japanese. Yep. Mm. That is very fair. Good times. Uh, So anyway, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. It's like they have their own lives. Toga's going to be going to law school, which seems fair, I guess. Yeah, that Uh, tracks. Mm -hmm. Saonji's going to be, what's he doing? He's still kendoing or something. Yeah, he's like going to a tournament, planning to and such. And it feels a little strange, though, that like, Saonji really doesn't remember the last few years and he doesn't even really have it oh yeah now it's all coming back to me I would have thought that there would have been a, a, a moment yeah. like that and there isn't and so it's just kind of like very odd well it's like, okay. he's just gonna go forward I guess at the end he's like oh I, it's, this new toga is weird who's kind of like opened up emotionally some but I think I can get used to it and I'm like but wait yeah. what about those few years that you don't remember yeah what about <laughs> the fucking dragon Saonji <laughs> Well, I mean, they kind of address the dragon and yeah, the fact that Sarenji has a scar that wasn't there the that's, day before, yeah, that's according also to the, like, But was it all a dream? It wasn't. It clearly well, wasn't. Well, if you have a scar that was not there the day before. The years before? Well, yeah, years have passed. They're supposed to be older yeah. now. I think the implication yeah. is that Sarenji defeated the dragon. Mm-hmm. He thought Togo was dead because he saw, you know, Togo, like, bleeding out when he defeated the dragon because he thought they were interlinked. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when he sees the scar on Toga, he's like, that's from a sword wound. Toga's like, oh, no, it's not. Or, like, I I never realized it looked like that. I think what Sayonji's experiencing is, like, he is clearly accepted they've moved into a new reality that's years in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he kind of yeah. accepts that because of the bizarre fact of defeating the dragon. Like, that was really weird. Mm-hmm. He's like, defeating yeah. the dragon meant I get to accept Toga, you know, as I think that we're supposed to take it as readers, as, like, a Toga without basically the rapist part of him, which is what the dragon yeah. represents yeah. to me. I mean, if, if that's, like, It doesn't not crass, represent that, Like, no. I think that's what it represents. Together they slayed the dark cynicism in his heart kind of deal. Hmm? Like, together they slayed the dark, dark, mm. heart of darkness sort of thing. I suppose, Toga. yeah. Yeah, so wow. I, I think Sayonji, take, he takes a minute. I mean, he's his memories are also starting to fade into the new reality. Mm-hmm. But I think he kind of sees it, and it's bizarre and surreal, but everything at Otori was bizarre and surreal, so he kind of accepts this is the consequence, basically. Yeah. And, like, that is a pattern with the character, too. Him and Nami, like... Both are in the show as like as well, very willing to accept absurd circumstances that even other characters eventually will like comment on like what the fuck. Whereas they're like, nah, that 
that tracks, that makes sense. Even if it makes absolutely no sense, they're willing to let their perception of reality suit what's mm-hmm. being shown to them, and they try to work within that, which is, I guess, both a, a strength and a weakness in their case, because it makes yeah. total fools out of them both regularly. Yeah. But in this case, I guess it's kind of working for him. I mean, he's getting a happy ending so long as he conforms to the bizarre circumstances that created it. As long as he doesn't <laughs> ask any questions, but mm-hmm. we shouldn't worry about that. Don't ask questions. Sanji will never ask questions, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, because Sanji has an inkling of what the answers might be, so he knows better than to ask. Whereas Toga yeah. will ask even when he knows the answer is going to wreck his fucking life. Mm-hmm. Which I think is where you get this difference of how they're perceiving this experience right at the end it's like Mm -hmm. no don't ask don't ask shut the fuck up just Mm -hmm. roll with it to be fair Sayoji does question it in his mind quite a bit but yeah then he kind of gives in so yeah he does and that basically brings us to the end of this fanfic and Mm -hmm. we close it out by asking what we want to complain about in the end before we end on a good note what are our main complaints about the fanfic? Uh, to be honest, I don't have a lot of complaints about this. Like, you can tell that it was written a long time ago. Some of the hair colors are weird. It's mm-hmm. uh, not really... But all of that is really minor. The The thing that I would say is it's just... It's a little too wordy. Like, it's, it's, it could it's be very tighter. Purple. But that's, some, that's a criticism that I rarely ever level at any kind of fanfic. Because... Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it doesn't have an editor, and it's fanfic. It's there as much for the author's fun Enjoyment, yeah. as for anybody else's. And if that's how they had fun, cool. But um, but this one, honestly, is really good to the point where that is one of the few criticisms I can level at it. I'm trying to think of a criticism that isn't me just being petty. I mean, go ahead and be petty. That's what you're good at. <laughs> You, you married me. So. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm encouraging you. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I actually got pissed when Akio showed up because I'm like, okay, this is episode 10, one. <laughs> and two, this was like the opposite of Chekhov's Akio because he shows up, does nothing, doesn't appear again. Completely like, irrelevant. Fine. <laughs> I accept this. <laughs> but I spent the whole rest of the fic waiting for his ass to show up and provide context of some kind even if it was complete horseshit. But I feel like that was, like... Like, at least, like, with Mikage, Mikage served a purpose, because you needed Mikage to bring... Like, because we all know that's how Sanji gets back to the school. To open so that I'm door for like, Sanji. Exactly. So I was like, why is Akio there at all? Except to establish that Akio and Anthe have that same, like, preternatural mm-hmm. magic boner-making... Yeah, Pan- yeah. <laughs> because that's literally what he sh- he just shows up. Sanji like goes ballistic, horny, and then Akio leaves, and it's over. And I'm like, I, I okay, I guess. <laughs> this is why we didn't talk about it the first time yeah. through. It just doesn't yeah. matter. It does not matter. It wasn't relevant. I'm not sure why it was there, except that it probably felt to the author like you had to have him there. Which a lot of fix from around then did. But it did that did feel honestly entirely superfluous because I get what they wanted to do there. Because I feel like they were trying to make a connection, like to establish that Anthe is unusual by establishing he is also unusual. Like I think that's what the point, mm-hmm. quote unquote, was there. But that actually isn't really followed through or relevant in the story in the long run anyway. 
Uh, it's not like we're shown or demonstrated later that this dragon is a projection of Anthe's will or Akio's will or mm. anything like that. It's like a seed that got planted to provide context that they didn't feel was necessary, and they were right. It wasn't. You, mm-hmm. It's it's a Newtona fanfic. You really don't need to explain the dragon. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how I but feel about the end of Utna in general. It's like exactly. you 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 told us everything we need to know, and you very specifically did not tell us a whole lot of things that we did not need to know. Exactly. So yeah. that felt that felt probably like the most gratuitous scene, and that that served no purpose. I suspect at some point they felt like it was going to, like they were like mm-hmm. planting a seed they were going to use later, but they didn't. So it just felt like. I feel uh, like it was okay. there to expand on the periodic roses, incense, corpses, um, Sanji's flashbacks to yeah. dying. The, the yeah, because those happen pretty regularly through the yeah. plot. Sometimes they're triggered by Anthe. Once it's triggered by Akio. That's fair. And then a lot of the times it kind of happens on its own. And then the culmination Mm -hmm. of all the roses, incense, corpses, blah, 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 is the dragon. But it does feel like a plot thread that they just sort of Mm -hmm. dropped because it was. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, That's probably the best criticism I can have, which is pretty impressive about a gender swap story between Toga Inside yeah, like I'm actually surprised at how good this in is. It. Yeah, yeah. There were it's, other individual things that we complained about along the way, but in the interest of time, we probably don't need to return to them. No. Is there anything you want to add, Tori, before we go on to praise? Just that I agree. Like, okay, this is gonna be a little bit of praise, but like, I agree for a gender swap fic. This is pretty good, but mm-hmm. I don't like in terms of like actually making it like a real like enjoyable fanfic i don't like how often sionji's sexual appetites were a motivation um i think that works for like you know kind of like a more sexual kind of pornographic thing which i think gender swap Mm -hmm. stuff is a lot of the time but Mm -hmm. you know for this fic i think they're going for something deeper i also Mm -hmm. am not totally sold on the dragon thing Mm. because I felt like it could have been smoother. And at the very ending, I felt like the relationship could have been better sold between Toga and Sionji. At the end, I'm left feeling like, hey, this probably isn't going to work out, y'all. And I don't know if that's what the Mm. author intended, but like Uh because their relationship was so fraught throughout, it felt like it shouldn't, so... Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think that is what the author was going for. I think the author yeah. was going for happy ending. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I just, I can't buy happy ending from this. So I'm sorry. Valid. <laughs> it almost feels like in that sense there was two fics here that kind of got mashed together. Yeah. Because like, there's like that. these two ideas that are kind of separate. Like there's a Venn diagram of like this dragon prince thing and the gender swap thing. And I don't know that it's always well reconciled because mm-hmm. it does feel like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what about praise on our way out? We've also done praise as we've gone along. Yes. And I'll start just by saying that on the whole, it was very well written. Like well, we've read enough fanfics that, you know, you can see when the authors are good at doing writing words <laughs> and <laughs> when they are not great at that, and this is one of the former. Mm-hmm. 
mostly. Uh, shit, shit was a thing that was very distracting. Yeah, the shit was... <laughs> the shit was a little... Yeah, that was a little, a little much. But, but one thing that we didn't touch on that I pretty much... Like, I talked about it a little bit just before now. The whole roses, incense, corpses, stabbing, all of that. Like, those sequences were way better done than I've read in most fics. Mm-hmm. Most, like, I know Jacquemart is supposed to be the pinnacle and all of that, but Anthe calling herself the Great Sow oh, and, oh no. and, oh, and no, the semi-mystical stuff that was in there just really, really, really got right on my case. Whereas here, this felt natural, kind of, because you know she's being stabbed by the swords all the time, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, of course, there's going to be rivers of blood and pain, because that's what she's going through. Mm -hmm. They didn't try to stick to any kind of mythological characters, or draw lines between ex-dragon from ex-legend and toga or anything. They didn't try to ground it in real-life mm-hmm. mythology, and it works so much better because they didn't. Yeah. Like, I think that works It works well a lot better it. because it's a direct reflection of the character herself. Mm-hmm. And then Sirenji's visions of the castle coming down correspondingly become direct mm-hmm. visions of him. And yeah. not necessarily. So I just like the way that those surreal bits, the kind of interrupting bits were handled. And there, I think there, and while, like we said, it does feel like sometimes it gets a little too long, it's very capably written throughout. So even when it feels long, it doesn't, get, it's not boring. It's not boring. It doesn't like get there's tedious. some really beautiful turns of phrase. There's some really beautiful like ideas as far as metaphors that get used and things like that. Mm-hmm. I can think of like maybe like two or three times where it felt gratuitous and it was because I was on my shit, not their fault. Yeah. But, but it actually, and, and normally like when I'm reading these kinds of fanfic, when we get to those bits, I tend to skim them very, very quickly because yeah. I feel like if you focus, to, it's, it's kind of like in the same sense of like when you watch Utena, if you focus too carefully on the surreal stuff, it starts to fall apart. So it's dodgy by design, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how I read those sorts of sequences, is I tend to skim them really quickly, because if I think about them too much, I feel like the illusion will break, and I won't mm-hmm. be able to suspend disbelief. And for a fic that did that so frequently, and for such extended periods, I didn't feel the need to do that, which mm-hmm. I thought was actually really... That was really impressive and surprising, and I kind of wonder what else this person's written, or... Because it's yeah. quite capably written, and... Especially for the time period, because there was a certain vogue around writing fix that this at the time that this one doesn't really fall into very yeah, much. Yeah, no, this is so. this is done a lot better than most. Like, and the toga characterization is I- impressively good mm-hmm. for a time period where people were just fucking toga up all over the place. Yep, like really bad, <laughs> really bad. It was tragic. To answer a question you semi asked, the author is still writing fanfic. For mm-hmm. uh, Chinese TV show Guardian, it looks like Supernatural, X Files, they've done, and oh, some X-Files. boy bands, some East Asian boy bands. Hmm. Huh. Well, X Files, I know. <laughs> That's pretty much where I'm at too. Uh, yeah, X Men like, First I Class. One of these. I, oh, well. I know them X Files. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have one up on me there. Yeah, some other Marvel stuff. Anyway. Oh no, th- those are bookmarks. Those are not things that they wrote. Never mind. Oh, okay. 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 I mean. 
the boy bands and the guardian and the x-files and the supernatural are not the marvel okay anyway any praise any last last praise uh this isn't the story but i just want to point out like Fauna, did you actually look at the people who had given kudos at the bottom? I looked because I recognize a few of these oh, people. Yeah, it, it's, it's <laughs> old crowd it was on funny. there. I just thought it was funny. Like, there was some old crowd, for I sure. I see Clarice on there. Yep. Yep. Etranger. <laughs> Etranger, yeah. Yep. Um, party. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting just to to look and, and recognize, oh, yeah, you, people we you know. did read that. It's a small, it's a small mm-hmm. intimate Small family. world. Yes. But no, yeah, no, I think I, I think, think I'm good. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of amazing that anyone could write a story, which Sayonji became a likable character to me, <laughs> and he did throughout this whole story. Like I related to him. Like I felt like at parts, mm-hmm. like. I could be him in the story. <laughs> like, but it's Sionji. Mm-hmm. But it never deviated from being actually Sionji. And yet he became sympathetic. I think that's amazing. Like that I, the author I was wonder. able to do that, you know? Tori, mm-hmm. I wonder if you would see this series differently now. Because a lot of that is drawn directly from the series. Like so it makes me wonder if your perception of Sionji in the series would change. No, I mean, <laughs> no. Um, the thing is, is the Sionji is a flawed person in the series who has a lot of issues and is, like, ultimately, like, kind of a fraught teenage boy. And mm-hmm. there's not a lack of... I don't have a lack of empathy for Sionji in that. But this mm-hmm. makes him come full circle in a way that I feel like, oh, he's matured enough, this could be a person that I could relate to. Rather than mm-hmm. someone who's going to be consistently like demeaning me in a misogynistic mm-hmm. way, as he does mm-hmm. to all women all mm-hmm. the time, so Fair. I I feel like they've they've managed to make him a sympathetic person, yeah, person, and 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 bring him full circle, and it does draw from the source, and I think y'all are right in that there's enough information in the source to make that happen, but the author has brought it to fruition. And I think they used rich territory and brought it to a really good place. And I love Mm -hmm. that. And I also love the writing style in this. I I think the writing is oftentimes very beautiful in this story. And it fits Utena very well because they use the dragon imagery and the prince Mm -hmm. imagery. And and they use the images. Um, The images are very beautiful often. And it evokes mm-hmm. that same, you know, beautiful imagery that Utna does in a, the same visual format. So that's high praise. When a character you hate becomes sympathetic, that's mm-hmm. that's epically high praise. I was already inclined to like him, so that was going to be an mm-hmm. easy swing on my part. But I, mean, I can't, I can't of... dislike Sionji after the scene where he's. You yeah. know, grilling eggs out and camping, and probably very satisfied <laughs> with himself that he's like roughing it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I don't hate him because it's really hard to hate him, you know, because he's... No, yeah. but he's totally a despicable little shit, though. Yeah, like, it's also really hard <laughs> to like him. He's one of those, like, lovable misogynists, and you're like, oh, I should not like that person. But this author m- made it come full circle and made me be yeah. like, okay, I, I guess I can actually like him. It's, it's weirdly mm. satisfying that way. 
<laughs> well, we need to come full circle on this podcast in the interests mm -hmm. of time and being able to sleep to some extent yeah. tonight. Mm -hmm. But yep. uh, Yasha and Vana, thank you so much for coming on and talking and providing some like great Utana insights. <laughs> thank you for having us. This was super fun. Well, I was yeah. not joking about having you back on for Final Fantasy VI sometime, if you like, because... Man. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see how things go. Edgar Stan. I have to confess, I have not played Final Fantasy she VI. She doesn't like Final so Fantasy VI. So you'll sucks. be with Vana on that one. <laughs> You're uninvited. <laughs> yeah. And you two are one person, so there's nothing we that can do. That is also fair. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed so, feelings. So where can we find you online with your you Utna find, presences these days? You can find us where you have always found us. O-H-T-O-R-I dot N-U. But we are also on Twitter. We frequently curse Twitter with horrible images. Oh, yeah. I live on Twitter. the kind of food that Toga would cook or other horror, terrifying things. And that's at O-H-T-O-R-I underscore N-U. Funny story about that, real quick aside. You can take this out if you want. Uh, it turns, so dot N-U was just dot Nui or whatever, some country that was the hip uh, suffix to use at the time, back in the day when everyone was buying domains because everyone had a website. Uh, it turns out that means nude in like seven different romantic languages. <laughs> so I have many, many followers on Twitter that think I deliberately called it Atori Naked. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and um, that's and I uh, and I would have deliberately done that had I known. So there you go. Go visit us at Atori Naked. <laughs> Love it. You missed your chance to pretend that was the plan. It was the plan all along. <laughs> And so our next fanfic is a little bit up in the air as we go into holiday season. Mm -hmm. And we'll get back to you on that. And I'm sure you'll find out, listeners, in the next week. <laughs> but as for this, this was episode 65 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. That is Ever After by Sylvia, the 2002 fanfic. You can find our link to the archive of our own copy of it at bit.ly slash rfrafter. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com, which is admittedly less catchy than otori.new. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe add something naked in there somewhere. Yeah, we yeah. can put some nudity in here, I'm sure. fan naked Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> if you want something slightly catchier but equally clothed, it's bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you, have, if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. We're also on some other services. What have we got? Um, I'm using the wrong file here, so I, it's so old. I uh, don't have our old... Uh, I don't know. Find us on LinkedIn? I don't know. <laughs> don't have a LinkedIn profile Check yet. Check our MySpace page. No one's going to hire us. Um, <laughs> that's right. We've got Tumblr at uh, Fanfic yeah. Retrospective, and we... Uh, Facebook theoretically, dating? Yeah, theoretically, we have Facebook, not dating. <laughs> at, at Retro Fanfic. Leaving comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular would also be greatly appreciated, or you, you can use whatever services Reddit you got. Account, right? Oh, yeah, use Reddit. That one's fanfic retrospective. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and if you want to bug 
Vana and Yasha about coming back onto the show or like about their crazy hot takes about Utna, then <laughs> you know, put them in on the Twitter feed also, in addition to at RetroFanfic. It's at Otori, what is it? Underscore dot N-U, uh, underscore N-U. At Otori underscore oh. N-U. Naked. Yeah. <laughs> Otori naked. <Yes>. Otori naked. <laughs> Otori at night. If you want to hear them talk a lot more about Utna, they're on um, uh, another podcast. Imagine me, me and Utna. They've been on there more than once. Yes. There's a lot of Anytime. content there if you want. We yes. also have a sub uh, sub podcast on that one where we watch Sarah Zanmai, which is Igahara's new garbage. And we're also on Madoka Magicast. <laughs> yes. Where we watched, yeah, where we watched uh, Madoka and we're still recording the movie one because... This is episode three of yeah, Rebellion. <laughs> because there's a lot to say about the movie. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of everywhere. We're not hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. And we're Yasha and Vanna. <laughs> bye bye. We're just five Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yay. <laughs>Okay, so I'm going to introduce you to my cat. <laughs> Since you are going to be hearing a lot from the cat. Sam. Yeah? Come here. That's and pretty Sam. responsive. Yeah. Hello, Sam. Hey, oh. Sam. I hear you're a cat. How's that? <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh. It's pretty amazing, we're going to sit on somebody. Hi. Yes, that's her phone. No, you can't use my phone. He likes to try to use the phones because he sees us using them he, all the he time. He he knows how to use them. Yeah. And the only reason he's not howling his head off right now is because I'm petting him. He will immediately begin to howl Yo. once I stop petting him. So, he's Siamese. This was a great life choice. We, 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 sure, we sure chose that. Yeah. For ourselves. You got a little purr in there. Somehow. Yeah, well, I adopted a dog who's too smart for her own good. She knows how to pause Netflix and make me do things for her. Pause, B-A-W-S? Yep, with her paw. Oh, yep. If I play it, she will pause it again. Half nice. our podcast is pointing out people's inadvertent puns. Yeah, that's great. Oh, well, that was totally deliberate. That's fine. Usually on podcasts, we just make terrible trash jokes that have to be cut out in post, so... Yeah. Uh, I got your work cut out for you, dog. I warn you, we cut out very little in post. (laughs) Wow. Is this the After Dark version of your podcast? (laughs) I kind of assumed with you two as guests it's going to end up being so. (laughs) And that was was before I actually read the fanfic, so yes. That vote of confidence, though. (laughs)